says, uh, uh, are, are we sure? I worry about you. I don't know if we're live yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we are. Yeah, there we are. yeah. yeah. is going on everybody welcome can you hear me care that freeze up i can oh you made a, a face bit. you made a face like like he's not you working did. you said it was hello yeah <laughs> welcome to the i tap that cigar show presented by corona cigar i'm your host kevin shan from cigar prop and i'm coming to you live from the drew estate experience asset studios here on the sunny gulf coast of florida joining me as always care viajante of stogie road cigars what's up kev Going good. Jessica's not joining us tonight. Jeff, producer Jessica, <sighs> sell out. I know she had to. She had to work. She had to, uh, she had to work. She had to work late tonight. She's uh, in case everybody missed my post. Jessica is one of the newest managers. Uh, we all had to work. Corona Cigar Sarasota. Well, I'm glad that she's working. I'm glad she's working there. We all had to work today. I same here. I spent all day, you know, doing stuff around the house, working. You know, but there are times I work on Mondays and still do the show. Yeah, but, but it's the longest I, day for me. I, I mean, your your commute's a minute, my commute's fifteen minutes, her commute's an hour. So we're gonna cut her a little bit of slack. My, I I put in twelve hour day. Yeah, yeah. Work work wise. Yeah. Then do the show. Yeah. All right. I'm I'll not disputing that. Yeah, I'm just saying that you <sighs> you just. Yeah, I mean, you, you you just put different hats on. Literally, I think you know, you just go from one computer to the other. Yeah, all right, you know. Well, it is very, very, very. It's it's exhausting, man. It is. I'm 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 sure. I don't You're know. just being I, nice in case Jess is watching. You get blindsided I, I, when you come in at the show. I'm not just stupid. Kid kick this fucking door in like the Kool-Aid man. And, uh, you know, she, she, she asked me tonight, you know, which, which I was being honest. Um, if, uh, um, uh, actually we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wait till Jimmy comes on. I'm going to ask him this question too. Um, uh, and, uh, so uh, yeah, I know. So I got, I got the Jess. Um, I got, I'll do the Jess snaps. That's it. So I'm going <laughs> to highlight this when Jimmy comes on, we'll talk about that. All right. Well, uh, um, uh. So in case anybody's not watching, you probably know our guest tonight, Boston Jimmy. Uh, that's who I keep referring to when I say Jimmy, but it's Jimmy with an IE. Kind of weird. He's the only Jimmy with an IE I know. Do you know any other Jimmys that aren't a Y care? Um, you don't, do you? Um, Jim, no. No, and he's the oldest Jimmy I know, as in IE or Y. You know, huh. they, usually go to, they usually switch over to Jim. You know, when they're your age, care. Um, Jim, yeah. James, James, Jim or James. Jim, Jimothy. Yeah, 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 that's it. But uh, yeah, no, he's the uh, the only IE and the oldest Jimmy I know. So um, let's get to the uh, Cigar Medics Humidimeter Cut and Light because I need a cigar, care. Yeah, you need both, man. Uh, what are you smoking tonight? Well, I'm going to start off 
I, I I actually tonight I have a lineup of of unique and firsts when it comes to cigars. So tonight I'm starting off with a Sweetgrass Gringo. All right. First Candela, Connecticut, Barber Pole. And then for my backup, I have a vice versa. Oh, look at that. And Dude. if things go crazy and long, which sometimes they do, I have a silent green. So we got a cigar that could be smoked four different ways. That's a first. I got the Candela, Connecticut, Barber Pole, which was a first. And we got the San Andreas wrapper with uh, a, a beautiful selection of tobacco as filler and binder but it's got candela in the filler this is gonna have to be a five-hour show for you to get through all those cigars that that vice versa is a big one i cut it in half yeah okay well there you go i i I love smoking it that way oh same same here and i'm running out i I may have to dip into i got questions for jimmy on that i want to see him do a review for the uh, give scores to give two scores to one cigar yeah, that that Coop said that that very well could happen. Um, I am well, smoking. The, I am smoking the uh, the Amendola uh, Natural. Ooh, um, and nice. then as uh, as my second cigar uh, from the May 2023 Corona Cigar of the Month Club, uh, the regular club, the La Gloria Cubana Serie R. Um, I've been I've been smoking a lot of La Gloria Cubanas lately. Really? Man, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I've been uh, hearing a lot about Ernesto. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, ah, you know, and it's no, always it a cigar is. you think of when you think of a EPC, no. um, on the cigar medics, humidimeter, mm. I have, I'm at 64%. No way you're seeing that. <laughs> I'm at uh, a solid 61. Oh, right on solid 61. So, um, when we did our, uh, the, uh, the blind, the blind uh, cigar review, me, you, and Jessica. Yeah. Um, the La Gloria Cubana Spanish press was the one that you rated the highest. Oh, was it? Yep. That's oh, the one right. you said it looked like it was dropped it in a mud puddle. Oh, maybe. yeah. Yeah. I, you, I you, rated, that. you rated it the highest. I think yeah. you and Jess both did. Jessica, I, I like La Gloria Cubanas. I don't know. It's a, you know, she, what she smoked today um, uh, um, was uh, her first Ashton. And she said she really liked it. I'm like I like Ashton's is a nice smooth yeah. cigar. Yeah, you know I I don't know if they make everything I've had by them has been you know more of a smoother. I don't know if they make anything milder, <laughs> oh. you know, yeah, or, well, uh, or meatier anyways. Well, oh well, Daryl they have their uh, with their VSG. Yeah, and that that's one of Daryl's favorite cigars. That's everybody's favorite. How many times on this show have we heard a manufacturer or a maker? Say that you know, oh Ashton, oh the VSG, everybody the VSG, good cigar, yeah. All right, Mm-mm-mm. delicious. So, all right, let's uh, um, before we bring on our guest tonight, uh, let's take a moment to thank all of our show partners for making this happen each and every week. So, thank you to JC Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amandola Cigars. We are the muscle. Um, where we are, we are the muscle. I lost my place. I, I. I hit Edder one too many times. Illusione cigars, deep in flavor, deep in your mind. See, now I'm off. I just said that all wrong. Um, Illusione cigars, deep in flavor, deep in your mind. K by Karen Burger cigars, Corona cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Asset. I always get nervous when we have someone else, like another blogger or someone else that has a show, 
And it's just like, like when Abe is on, he's always fucking judging me. I know he is about the quality of our show. And that's so what throws think, me think off. Jimmy's, Jimmy's he's he's not there. Me. He's judging me. He's being judgy. waiting patiently in the experience acid green room is boston jimmy of stogie press hey on, guys and no i'm not judging you because <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody fucks up including myself and does abe and does coop and the rest of the gang uh, we yeah. all have our mess ups it's live shows it's the way That's it, it. Works. it was At what least makes it, it exciting yeah, Abe has Paul, so Paul DeGrocco. He just blames it's always Paul. Well, Paul's you can Paul. blame it on yeah. people, but hey, yeah. I'm a one-man show. When I screw up, it is what it is. But I, at least I take it later, and I try to correct it all at the end, and I post-produce it on my YouTube. So it looks better on the YouTube than it does on the <laughs> live. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, don't, you don't do yours live, do you? you I you, do it live. You, oh, do, do you live. do it live? It's always oh, I, live. I thought, I, yeah. Okay, I, I thought and you then, And then live. once the show is done after a week, I take it and I record it from Zoom onto my recorded it on my laptop, and then I push it into Premiere Pro and I post produce it, put little slides in, you know, little page yeah. turns, and you know, I try to if I didn't focus on a uh, on a guest or something, I can zoom in on them and just have them focal pointed, um, and then I clean it up and I push it out onto the YouTube channel, and then I put my front end uh, intro uh, the announcement. For it, so it all looks the same on YouTube. They all have a similar look. So you oh, look okay. at the tiles, and you're like, going, "Oh yeah, that's taking enough, taking enough, taking enough." You know? Yeah, because because I, I was uh, on your YouTube channel uh, the other day, and uh, or yesterday, and uh, and and all your videos were under videos, but not live. So I was wondering how that how that worked. Yeah, yeah I post produce it, and I push them up to YouTube, okay. and then they stay there. Because that's I, why I wanted... they don't. That's why the hits don't come to YouTube first; they come to Facebook first. Yeah. Okay. Because mm. I, I was what cared. I don't know if you if you saw that. Uh, um, he had some guests on, and I want to go back and watch it. I started the video, but I didn't have time. But as long as I bookmark it, uh, PK rooms. Uh, the, yeah, the PK rooms, like with like a little room. It's like a little sauna that you build inside your. I mean that. No, that that's just what I I saw from my. Yeah. I googled it real quick. You like could a, do a, a pretty big yeah. room. They can have an eight by twelve. Uh, they can set up, but yeah, it's a pretty cool system that those guys have. So it's a smoking room within your house. You build yeah. it, you get the kit, you put it together inside your room. Um, it's got a floor 
that looks like a it, um, it looks like pallets or something or well no it actually it's actually designed like a like a air hockey table kind of looking thing oh okay so it's got holes in the floor a grid of holes there's a grid of holes in the in the top and what happens is there's an exhaust fan up top that exhausts out your roof or you could probably put it out a window with a you know seal but what happens is it sucks the air because in negative air pressure yeah. It sucks the outside air in up through the floor oh. and then up to the ceiling and out the exhaust. So it's pretty much smokeless, they said, when you're sitting in there. And you bring in whatever the ambient temperature is outside, you bring it right into the inside. Oh, okay. So you okay. don't have to have I, an I, air conditioner inside. It actually brings in. I, cool that, air. That's what I was wondering. And then if, if they if I was wondering if they were just using smoke eaters, so it's exhausting no smoke that. Eaters at all. Okay. Okay. No, so it's exhausting that out, outside. And it seals so. off and then it exhausts, and then when you open the door, yeah. you, you got a you got a smoking room inside of a room. Oh, right on. I know Pretty I think cool idea. Yeah, I, I sent care something a while ago, uh, and it was a uh, for a, a sauna. I think it was like on Mar or you sent it to me or something. A sauna on Marketplace, and I'm like, that would be a cool humidor. I you sent know, it to it, you because yeah, I, you I sent was, it to me. Yeah, yeah. you know, because that that would be because they're they're fairly small. You know, it fit in the side of a house because that's what the indoor saunas are for. They're already made of cedar. So I'm like, how has nobody constructed the uh, the humidor yet? You know, out of, out of saunas. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody do that home do-it-yourself kit yet. Jesus. So, I can't imagine yeah. what that costs to get a smoking room. Because I'm on here now, and they have $13,000 for the big one, I think. Yeah, by the 8x12, the Presidente. Yeah, the smaller ones are like 5000 I think. You know, that's not bad. You know, I mean, if you're, if, especially if you, if you had a, a good size, if you had a good-sized garage even, Five grand, you know, by time, say, say you were going to convert your garage. It's a four by eight, though, Kev. You know, four by the eight, eight by 12. The eight by 12 would be closer to what you would want. But yeah, yeah. Still, even what I have in my garage, I mean, come on, I've got 350 square feet here. Yeah. My lounge. So, yeah. You know, if you had to build that, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It was cool. I didn't know the pricing, though. So. Yeah, yeah, the pricing the pricing can be pretty can, can get steep, but if you if you look at the enjoyment of what you want to do, especially if you're living up in places where the weather's really cold, what? uh yeah, that makes and you have an extra room, okay. But but <laughs> but even basement. at even at 13 grand, like if you had a garage, you can't build a smoking room. I mean, if you have it like professionally done, because I saw like the photos, those look nice. Yeah, they like, do a really good job. Yeah, on like, it. like it's going to cost you ten grand to build a really yeah. nice smoking room. So, well, they this they one, actually the, the thing about the other thing that you don't realize about it is if you let's say you put a smoke eater in a room in your house, right, and maybe have a little exhaust to throw some smoke out the you know the, the window. Your walls, your ceiling, even your AC vents, they're going to get smoke into it, okay? And if you're able to sell the house, you ever touch your walls? Like, I, I go to my walls even in here. They can get a – I have to wash them once in a while. They get a little sticky. I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to – do when we, when we open up our new lounge, I'm going to – gut this office and that's one thing i'm going to show everybody like because we because we've been in here this office for two years 
10,000 cigars, I don't know, 5,000 cigars, whatever it is, smoked inside here. Ceiling, everything gets yeah. smoky. So you got to deal with that. If you ever want to sell a house, that becomes in a thing you got to take care of. Think about the cost of that to yeah. sell a house. Here, you just take this thing apart, you put it in your in your U-Haul, and you move it to your next house. <laughs> that, that, that's it. So yeah. anyway, we are yeah. not here hey, to hey, promote PK. Yeah, 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 I know. I, I, yeah, it's I just a pretty cool yeah, idea. I, I, I gotta, I want, gotta watch the rest of that episode now because I want to see what their story is uh, on the backside of how they yeah. came up with that. So uh, earlier, uh, Jessica was asking me because she's she's been on a diet. She's been uh, uh, Jimmy. You, you've been you've been uh, dieting, losing some weight. She asked me, uh, um, does it look like I've lost weight? And I, I don't lie to Jessica. I mean, it's I mean, I kind of stretch stretch the truth every break, now and then. Break your other leg. That's it. But 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 I told her I go no. She's like what? And I go, you can't tell if your partner gets fat or or or, or slim until you compare old pictures. I go, if you lose a half a pound a day, you know, or even less now. I go, you can't tell. After like three or four, it's such a slow process, and it just wasn't a good enough answer for. Her. I go, look, I just took the dogs to the vet. I said, look, I just took the dogs to the vet, and they said Skylar was getting fat. We haven't noticed Skylar getting fat because she's gained a little bit of weight, you know, over time. And she's like, she's like petting Skylar. Skylar's not fat; she's healthy. And I'm like, well, then you're healthy. And then I knew instantly, oh my God. instantly. I had fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know that was. But uh, you see, you got to take the flip side. What I did, I saw my wife go into a weight loss program, okay, because she couldn't lose weight a lot on all these other wacky diets. She had like a thyroid issue and she couldn't, she never lost weight. So the doctor told her, have you ever thought about Weight Watchers? And she chuckled. He goes, no, no, try the new program. It's, it might actually work for you. And she did. So she's doing this Weight Watchers thing. And I looked at her like after like a month or so, and I'm like, you've lost some weight. Bing, yeah. bonus point. Um, yeah. And then I said, great, put me on it. You do all my cooking anyway, so we'll eat together and just feed me the right amount of points, count my points, tell me where I'm at. And that's what we did. We did that for a whole year. Lost 80 pounds. Yeah, uh, I went great. on the inter- I did I went on the intermittent fasting and then uh, I did yeah, uh, that's I, uh, I eat uh, anything I-, I want, Kevin. Anything I want as long as I stay within the point value. Yeah. It's pretty easy to do that. And now I'm not even on the Weight Watchers diet anymore. I am absolutely balanced. At one, I was at 189 to 193, 194 range. I would hover in there. I'm actually down to 187 to 192, and I I over I, I overindulge some days, and other days I just kick it back. And I just it I get I weigh myself. I'm crazy. I weigh myself three times a day. I weigh yeah. myself in the morning when I wake up. I weigh myself in the afternoon before I eat dinner. And I weigh myself at night before I go to bed. That may sound crazy, but I always want to know my weight because when you don't know your weight is when it creeps up on you. It it, it does. And, and, and the I want to know the zone. Yeah, you know, the intermittent fasting was easy for me. I already not I was already not eating for 10 to 11 hours at mm-hmm. a stretch. So I was only adding two more hours or sometimes three, 12 to 14. So for me, it was a piece of cake just to not eat for another two or three hours. So and that and that did and then actually just those, you know, just those extra and then plus I cut out snacking, 
you know. So, yeah. well, I did that, Kevin. The hardest part for me was breakfast because I, 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 I lo- I'm a breakfast guy. You all, you always say that you're a breakfast guy. So I have two like- fried eggs every morning, two slices of turkey bacon, done in an iron skillet, so it actually comes out crispy the right way. It doesn't taste like cardboard, and. Two whole grain English muffins with no butter. I just use the egg yolk to slop yeah. up instead of butter every day. Not a problem. Perfect yeah. breakfast. Well, uh, my, my intermittent fasting, I had to go till noon without eating. I didn't have fried eggs. So, yeah. but, but after a couple of days, it, like I got used to it. And it was just it, like, wake up, drink coffee, drink water. If I worked out, I could do a protein shake that didn't count as a meal. But yeah. after, after a couple of days, it just it didn't bother me at all. It, it took it took me a couple of weeks, probably took me two weeks to adjust to that extra couple of hours because now I don't eat breakfast until like eleven thirty, sometimes noon. So, uh, but now it's I don't even it, I don't even sweat it. You know, it's called and, uh, brunch. Usually that yeah, goes with yeah, Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm at, <laughs> but I'm at work, so it's uh it's a uh, um, it's raisin bran with a side of a cranberry juice. Um, so yeah. So, yeah. well, let's, let's get, you know, so first of all, Jimmy, uh, uh what, what are, you, what are you smoking there tonight? So I don't know. I got some, something here from this weird company. Uh, it's like trash Panda. Have you heard of these guys? Yep. It's trash. Panda I have heard company. a thing or two about them. Familiar. And, and, and I wish I could actually read the name on the I band. sucks. That band you know, sucks. I mean, I just can't read what that is. Even when and I take it, my glasses off. That is what does it say? Cert Mythe through Scar. Real good trash. Oh, is that what that stands for? In, 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 in Gaelic, uh, in, yeah. In Gaelic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, real good real. trash. Okay. Right. Yeah, I, I just uh, I, I sent John Huber. He just messaged me a little yeah. bit ago. He just I sent him some so uh, to try yeah. so it. I, so, I fired uh, one of these up, and um, you know, I, I already tried one. I got one left to put out a review on. Uh, oh, give right. you my take on it. Um, That's uh, for, Gaelic Gaelic for real small lettering. Yeah, yeah, I, Gaelic you know, for real small, you know, real, real I, small. I mean, you read Trash Panda Productions on the back yeah. real easy, you know. You know, but but the front of that for the front of that band, Jimmy, when I when I saw it on my computer screen in the uh, like we're, uh, Karen and I, t- t- like, and it's like this big on your mm-hmm. computer screen, like that's beautiful. Let's fit in more stuff. You know? I said, I said, you shrink it to an inch and a half. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Well, you should just made the band a little bigger. Yes, yes. In in hindsight, yes, there was uh you know, yeah. that was my It's a very it, cool band though. I mean, I, I love all the artwork. Just it's just too small. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to see what's on it. But that's okay. We, we live and we learn, you know. That that that's it. We just got you know, it's got keep keep but on I did, keeping on. I, I, I did I did test, you know, you were talking earlier, watched you guys, you know, how you started your thing. So yeah, I did a sixty-four percent on the emitometer. And I did an absolute perfect cap cut with the baller. I, you know, I need to get with, uh, um, uh, I was just talking with Luigi last week about something else. And I forgot to uh, uh, mention to him. I need the sharpening stone for this. Mine's yeah, I dull. do too, man. I do now, too. Did, I'm, did, at a, did he, I'm at about 1,200 cigars cut with this. Now. Did, did you Did you see the sharpening stone? Did he show yeah, it to yeah, you? He oh, it to so, me show. Yeah, it's so cool. So uh, I need – I can't use mine anymore. So it is completely yeah, – mine's getting, mine's getting there. But but I will I will give a big shout-out to Luigi since we you brought him up, and I'll bring him up. So Luigi was so kind enough today to drop, to, to drop a nice donation on my client for autism. 
So it was a weird donation number, but he did it because he said he rounded it up so that we're at 5,000 now. So oh, we're at right. the 5,000 mark nice. right now because of Luigi. So Right on. So, and, and so everybody that's been watching this show for the last month, I think, maybe even longer than that. I mean, uh, um, ever since we got back from like the Great Smoke, I think we've been talking about it. But for the last month, mm. in the show notes, if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's in the podcast description. You know, talking about, you know, Boston Jimmy uh, climbing Mount Fuji. And last week I said to cure autism. That was a mistake. Someone else <laughs> called me out on that. We're not curing because there's nothing to cure. Um, but we're raising money. We're raising money for awareness for uh, uh, autism speaks. Um, well, it's awareness. So and also it goes to help and treat um, people. OK, you know, so it helps. Pe it helps people on the spectrum. Okay, they have a number of different uh, programs that they, they, they go through. Um, trying to find a cure for autism. My uh, my son, who, who who did all of his research at Vanderbilt on the on the in the neurobiological brain function and on the autism spectrum was his focus. Um, he'll tell you that it's they're trying to what they're trying to do is find different drug pathways in the brain to treat it to kind of you know adjust it, but. Um, there are many on the autism spectrum that'll tell you, don't change me. I'm right. happy the way yeah. I am, you know? So our, 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 our daughter has, all, I wouldn't change her. If there was something tomorrow, a drug that no, I, cause she's special the way she is and we love her and exactly. I would never, you know, because, because what, what do you get? You know, I mean, what, what's the flip side of that? You know, I, right. I guess maybe when they're young, they, I don't know. It's not for me. It's not for me to decide it's for the parents and whatever. But um, we're we're so we're gonna start off with your trip, and then and then on the uh, the second half of the show, we're gonna get into some like you know just we're we're three three guys in the cigar industry, media. So we're gonna get into some media stuff. Um, but um, so uh, first of all, you mentioned your son. Um, let let's talk let's talk about Dominic. You know your 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 son. You're climbing a, a Mount Fuji. What kind of kid? We're gonna start. We we always go way back to the beginning. Usually it's it's the cigar maker. Today it's going to be your son. Like, well, what, kind, what kind of kid? You know, when you when you have a kid that's a doctor, usually <laughs> as a usually as a as a child, you know, like you could tell, like they were going to do. You know, what was what was Dom like as a kid? Dominic was what was in himself his own unique child. Um, we we always my ex wife and I raised uh, both our children to have freely free minds, choose what they want, support what they want, do what they want. Um and be good to people so he um he was uh well i'll tell you this he was he was in um uh in great in kindergarten okay uh and uh in in uh, catholic kindergarten and he didn't particularly like catholic school at all whereas my daughter graduated eight years of it right <laughs> um and he had uh, he had a run in with uh, with the kindergarten teacher where it became an issue and it caused some problems for him. I won't get into the, the deep problems, but it caused some issues that he had. And um, we had to get 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 some counseling done with him. And eventually we we actually had to hold him back one year. OK, because of um, the issues he was dealing with. But he went to a uh, um, he went to public, public grade school, public high school, um, ended up um, playing uh, 
he he got his red belt in in taekwondo um he played some soccer um tried to play baseball but didn't like the game he didn't like the he didn't like the way it went so that wasn't his jam um he was a big wrestler in high school um never never got to the great championships but held his own he was one of those kids that you go three rounds and you're not pinning them Okay, you're gonna have to win yeah. by points. You're not gonna win by a pin. He he refused to get pinned, right? But very brilliant in science. Okay, very very brilliant scientist. Um, ever since he was a little kid. Um, and he um, he excelled in in high school. He was a uh, he he was as close. He was I think a salutatorian as opposed to a valedictorian. But he was way up there. He was a school president, uh, the, the uh, senior class president. Um, so he was well liked. Um, he had a rock and roll band uh, throughout high school called uh, a band called Inderman, which uh, was quite interesting. All original music. They refused to do anything. They didn't do covers. They refused to do it. And even to this day, those same guys get together every year at Christmas time for like four days and they hunker down on one of their friends' houses and they write music together. Okay. They just come back in from wherever they live in Texas, Massachusetts, Tennessee. Wow, that's awesome. They just, they just hang out and write music. So he's a very talented musician, uh, very smart scientist. He ended up um, getting a, uh, he, he went to the University of Miami for marine science and biology. Um, and that's uh, where he honed his skills there on the electron microscope. So he was a genius on an electron microscope. He was he taught the class. He was a TA in that class later in his junior and senior years. Um, so he really he really took a liking to that. And then when he graduated from there, um, he kind of took a sabbatical for a while, just thinking about what he wants to do. He worked at Panera Bread. He was like, you know, okay, so I spent all this money to send you to the University of Miami yeah. and work at Panera Bread. Oh, my God, I'm going to shoot myself. Right? <laughs> because you're going to do something special, I said. You need to get your head back on. But he was just kind of taking his thing. And um, eventually he uh, started to uh, apply, to, apply to different uh, research institutes. And he got accepted to um, is a very prestigious uh, program at Vanderbilt University, where they only bring in a hundred students a year into this particular uh, program, and they rotate through <laughs> different labs while they're working on their doctorates, and then they settle on a particular lab to work in, and then they further their research in that area. And they brought him in because of his electron microscope capability. Okay. They needed somebody in labs that can do this stuff. So we ended up working in this lab where they uh, they do a lot of research on the brain um, using fruit flies. So believe it or not, a fruit fly is a few chromosomes off from a human. And the brain function is quite similar with the dual lobes and everything. Um, so he, he has pictures on his wall of like sliced fruit fly brain cells, okay, active doing things as he's testing and looking at stuff from the electron microscope. Just imagine the size of a fruit fly brain for a second. Yeah, yeah. And then taking a slice of, and then taking a slice <laughs> and then of it. Slice yeah. the brain, <laughs> slicing the brain cells, right? 
So he's written six papers on this. He studied what was called the Fragile X syndrome. Fragile X, the Fragile X gene is one of the um, known genes that um, cause autism. So the focus, focus was around Fragile X and what kind of causes that. But in the process, he had also, um, you know, began to discover the fact that while we all know about the basic structure of the brain, where we've got brain cells that have these synapses and these things and the electrical and the chemical reactions, and that's what they teach us in high school and early college. There is another structure of the brain with a different set of cells called glial, and glial translates to glue. It's kind of what keeps the brain together, and they're known as zombie cells because what they do is they're, they're programmed to trim brain cells so the brain don't do this right and there are parts of the brain and they're supposed to trim what they're supposed to trim and sometimes that programming goes a little rogue and they start trimming the wrong things and that starts causing neurological issues uh, from autism to parkinson's to maybe even alzheimer's to uh Epilepsy, you name it. A Man, I heard that on my end. Oh, yeah, no, God. All right. So, um, so that's where he took his research. So he's written six papers on it, six published papers he has, the most that any undergraduate has ever done. I'm not under, most that any graduate student in the doctoral program ever wrote in Vanderbilt University. Um, he stayed there, and now he has taken a position starting in September at the um, uh, Cold Spring Harbor Institute in Long Island, New York. And for those that don't know the Cold Spring Harbor Institute, um, that is one of the most prestigious institutes in the world for scientific research. It's where DNA kind of got discovered. The Nobel Prize guy was there. They put out more Nobel Prize laureates in science than anybody. So he's going in there and he's now going to turn his focus, his focus is turning into using mammalian research instead of insect research. He's going to be using rats and stuff, obviously, um, to study epilepsy. So he's moving into that, looking at epilepsy now and he's going to be working in a lab there and doing postdoctoral work and advancing more science as he goes on. So now you say that's kind of my... Yeah. Is, is he making money? Yeah, you know, he, he gets paid. He got paid. Uh, uh, so okay. the program when he got when, when he went to Vanderbilt University, he told me when he was in University of Miami that um, it, because it was very expensive. And he says, "Don't worry, Dad. You won't have to pay for my graduate school because it'll all be paid for." I said, "Well, I don't oh, pay okay. for graduate school anyway. All right. <laughs> you get the undergrad. The rest is up to you, right? You know." Hell, my father gave me a month, a semester's worth of tuition, his whole life savings in undergrad and said the rest was up to me. So I've upped your game, buddy. I gave you a whole, whole education and the rest is up to you. So he um, so he, he, he kept that promise. And what he did is he got into this program where um, his for six years, it was zero cost of tuition, number one. So no call, no tuition, no fees, no nothing, plus a stipend, plus health care. So basically, he was he was his whole job was just to research and get a degree. 
for six years. Okay. And then he lived in his laboratories practically. He just spent a lot of time there. And that's what you do. So uh, now he's got to, he'll take this position. I mean, it's not, it, it still doesn't pay what I think he's worth. Okay. But that takes time. And unfortunately, in the science community, scientists, pure scientists get paid less than guys like me that are engineers. Engineers come out of college and undergrad, they make Boku dollars. Okay. Scientists come out, they make that, about that much of those Boku dollars. And these are the guys that create the, the science that guys like me put into work in the real world. Right. So you need the scientists to create the new discoveries so the engineers can then figure out ways to use them in real products that everybody uses on the planet. So they should get paid more, too. But, hey, it so should teachers, so should everybody else. So he's going to be just fine. He's um, his his girlfriend is a physician. Um, she, she's making a lot of money. So the two of them are take, taking this journey to New York and going to live a good life. Yeah, nice. look forward to where they go next. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now you always, you, I know you're an engineer. I've told other people, Oh, Hey, Jimmy's an engineer. People are like, well, what, what does he do? And I go, well, I don't know. He's an engineer. I know. I, I <laughs> be a fucking bridge engineer. I, I don't choo, know. Choo. That's it. What, what, what? So, so now, I mean, for as long as we've known each other, what do you do? So I, I'm a master's degree in electrical engineer. Okay. Um, I got my uh, bachelor's in engineering at Pratt Institute in New York in 1981. I got my master's in uh, electrical engineer focused on computer engineering, which is actually actually not computer science. I don't want anybody to get confused. I'm actually I actually my master's thesis was actually designing a microchip. OK, from scratch, you know, the inner workings of it. Um, so I did that um, in 93. I worked for the Northrop Grumman Corporation for 20 years of my life designing um, and working on an airborne surveillance platform in multiple levels of engineering, everything from integration and test to labs to uh, what we call systems engineering, which is big picture thinking. I'll get back to that in a second. Um, project management, program management. You know, I, I, I kind of did it all. All right. In that 20 years. And then I left them and I moved into a small company based out of Ohio at the time um, that eventually over time got bought out through mergers and acquisitions, became the Siemens, part of the Siemens Corporation, big German, the big German conglomerate. And what we do is we make, we are the largest industrial software company in the world. What that means is all of the engineering and manufacturing that goes on in this on this planet, okay, in big companies, airplanes, cars, cell phones, electronics, refrigerators, stoves, you, you name it, um, use our products to design, to test, to simulate, to um, to manage all that information, what we call the digital thread. So taking a whole vehicle, a whole automobile, and completely digitizing it to where you can run it through a bunch of different scenarios before, before you ever build a prototype of it. Okay. So so after the, 
I've been listening to you talk for two and minutes. I I am no closer to understanding what you do for a living. You know, okay. 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 Lost there, Ted. We just had that thousand yard stare. So <laughs> so what happens is so so based on that, what I what I do is my job is a um I'm a principal what they call a principal solution architect, basically a subject matter expert in what we call systems engineering, which is Big picture engineering, understanding if you want to put a satellite in orbit, right? Yeah. How do you do that? Okay. Well, you need a you, you need a way to launch a satellite into orbit. So you need a launch vehicle. You need a ground platform to put that launch vehicle on to launch it. You need to have a way to attach it to the launch vehicle. You need a way to deploy it. You need you need tracking stations to track it. And you need information to bring the information back down to receive receiver stations to communicate, transmit, and receive from this satellite, right? And adjust its orbit and whatever, right? A lot of big things that when you look at that big space problem, now you break it down into smaller and smaller bite-sized pieces to the point where you have a um, this lighter, right? So this lighter has components on it. It's got obviously a, a, a lever on the side with a spring that opens up the thing up top, right? Each one of those components has a function. So we define the functions of a product and design and define how it's supposed to work, how much force you're supposed to be able to take to pull it down, um, how much uh, fuel you're gonna push through the holes, all of that we define in requirements and hand those off to people that make the components. And then we get it all back and oversee the integration of it into the final product and do all the tests, get all the testing done. My job is to, on the Siemens side, is to work with large Fortune 100 companies that deal in this space that use our software or want to use our software and understand what their problems are in their process, in their engineering process that we can solve and reduce time in. And then they tell us when they start using it, well, you're, I like what you're doing, but you don't deal with this issue that we have. I take that knowledge back, the voice of the customer, and I bring it back into our product development teams and say, okay, XYZ company, they need the software to do this, this, and this. This functionality is not in our software. We need it to do this. Like we're sitting here. If you wanted to compare two examples, you're dealing with um, with a whereby and you're dealing with Zoom, right? If I was to look at those two, I would say, you know what? Why the hell Zoom can't I put freaking advertisements up on the side of me on screen? By the way, Zoom, why can't I multicast out to multiple platforms without having to get an extra integrating license, right? That's the type of stuff I then get back and I feed it back. But it's always in this space that I just talked about. Requirements, functions, system models, okay, in uh, simulations, all of that is my space to help customers get a, do a better job. And then they tell us where we are stupid, and I bring it back and say, "Hey guys, you got to fix this." And I get so, paid to do that. So Jimmy's Ke Kevin's follow-up question to this is, "So Jimmy, what do you do?" So I'm going <laughs> to tell everybody, Jimmy designs lighters. 
Um, <laughs> I am going to pull this one clip out, this 30 second clip. And I'm like, see, he designs lighters. Um, and that's what I'm just going to tell people. It's like, an analogy, brother. What's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's it. I just feel like office space, like, like the, like the one engineer, like the, or the management that's trying to explain to the bobs on why he shouldn't be fired. And yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Jimmy's an engineer. That's uh, uh, way, way around the world. I've worked yeah. with very, I've worked with the largest companies on the planet. I've dealt with, uh, the best brass in the, in the military. I, I, I just, I've had an enjoyable career for, for the last 40 something years. That's all I, I, I bet. Can you hang a ceiling fan though with that degree? You have probably, you know, that's all I, I hang ceiling that. fans without turning <laughs> off the electricity. How about that? I'm, they're, they're... I am not afraid of electricity. Yeah. All. Well, I, 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 it's very safe from what they tell me. Um, I will shut off my neighbor's electricity yeah. in his house. <laughs> the same if, way. I, if I think that I'm about to get shocked for anything, I'm running cat. I'm, I'm like running cat five, like trying to put the ends on. The other end's not even connected to anything, and yet I'm nervous about you know. <laughs> don't don't stand on a ladder barefoot holding a wire. Yeah. Okay, and don't hold the wires like this. <laughs> My, I, I, I like that jolt. I, I had a guy come out and he put in a, a a new panel on the outside of the house and it's and it runs through the whole, you know, through the attic to the to the main breaker panel inside. It was starting to rot, rot out. I had to put, put some ground rods in. He did it all live. Two big cables. And uh, he's like, I've been doing this for like 30 years. And he goes, I advise you not to stand next to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, he he did it. He did it live. And put those things together but yeah no electricity electricity never bothered me um you know and having studied it i know more more about it i should i have a lot of respect for it but at the same time i know what not well, well i have an i have an, a, 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 an electricity question i've been waiting eventually i want to have neil degrasse tyson on the show he's never coming on the show um so uh but uh, I always want to know because I can't get a solid answer online. Maybe you could help me out being an electrical engineer. How much does a lightning bolt weigh? It's got to weigh something. You can get you can charged get particles. It's charged particles, so particles have weight. Yes. So you gotta you gotta work on that for me, Jimmy, and get get me yeah, an answer. Charge, so yeah, they're charged particles. You know, particles have weight, so it's gonna have. Kind of some way. I mean, how much is a light beam weigh? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It blew my mind when I found out a cloud can weigh a million pounds and it's still floating the fuck up there. You know, so yeah. A lot, a lot I, of water I, vapor up there. A lot of water vapor. So lightning bolt, how much was one way? So we're gonna uh, we're gonna come back on that on another show. But uh let's let's get back to uh, uh my first question on the big event. Why climb a mountain and why Mount Fuji? All right. So what happened was go back to my son. So when he was at the University of uh, Miami, when he decided he was finally going to go postdoc, I told him, I said, hey, when you get your doctorate. So I used to live in Japan. OK. Oh, OK. So um, so part of one of my great jobs, I worked uh, consulting with the Toyota Corporation over there for a year through my company. Um, and. It took me to uh, a city in Japan called Nagoya. Um, so I spent about I spent a year living in Nagoya. I spent a year traveling back and forth there before I took the assignment there. 
So good almost two years living in Japan, basically. And I remember I brought my son over uh, for his birthday that year. And a colleague, a colleague that I was working with, American colleague, um, his wife asked me if, if I wanted to go to Mount Fuji with them, just hang out on like a little, they had like this cool onsen thing that they were going to go to. And I was like, sure. And my son's in town. He goes, yeah, bring him too. So we got this cool place to stay at the foot of the mountain, this little tiny little village area, a little creek on the back. And um, we had a really good time. We never climbed the mountain and we didn't plan to climb the mountain. So we just basically, you know, went up a little bit, touched the mountain. And I told my son, I said, when you get your doctorate, we're going to come back here and we're climbing this mountain in celebration. So he gets his degree right at the end of near the end of the pandemic. And he's at my house. And he says to me, I guess we're not going back to Fuji. I said, why would you say that? The pandemic is pretty much over. It's going to work its kinks out. And Japan will open the door like everybody else. And we'll, we'll be able to go to Japan. He goes, no, no, no. Look at you, Dad. You're a fat fuck. There's no way you climb a 13,000-foot mountain. You'll <laughs> die. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, you know, I never broke a promise to you. I'm not going to break this one. I'm going to lose the weight, get in shape, and climb in that mountain. He says, yeah. He laughed. He says, I'll see it. Let me let me see it. I'll believe it then. So here I am. Yeah, two, two, yeah. In shape. A couple years later, yeah. Not even. A year and a half. This is a yeah, year, year and, and a half. half later. I am ready to go. And he's like, yeah, Dad. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Let's do this. So. That's why we're going to climb Mount Fuji is to celebrate his great accomplishment um, as being, in my book, the top of the heap for what he did in science. Um, And then we decided to um, go one step further. And I told him, I said, look, we're going to do this. I said, let's reach out. Let's see what we could do to raise some money for autism. Since all your research was around that, why don't we celebrate it even more and see what we can do. And I told, I said, let me set up a charity, a, uh, a, a campaign on Autism Speaks, which was the easiest one to get a campaign set up. You just go in, you set the campaign up, boom, and off, you're off and running, right? And I said, with all the people we know in the cigar community, especially, if I continue to push this, I know we can raise some money because this is a very giving, loving community that we're all part of. And I believe that we're going to be able to raise some significant dollars. Like I said, right now we're at 5,000. We have till July. So we got some more things coming in. We have so I have some more um, events to go to, to, uh, to raise. I was just at my cigar shop locally and, uh, last week, and we raised $500 there in, in like 20 minutes. Wow. That's so. Right. And, and and that's and that's the way it should be, you know. Um, yeah. I I you know you you you'd mentioned earlier that Luigi kicked in and and, and made it five thousand um, dollars. So how how long has the uh, um uh, the campaign been going? It's about two months. About two months, and, and, and I know, I, and I, and I know we talked about this last time we we you know that we spoke uh, you know down in uh, Boynton Beach. Uh, you know, I, I think we're both a little disappointed, you know, at the uh, the, the the community. You know, I, I would have thought you'd have raised twice that by now. 
word has to get out and it yeah. and like everything it goes through levels so it depends on who yeah. you talk to who gets you to you know continues to promote promote it um things happen so i see it ratchet up and then it flatlines for a while mm -hmm. like last week it flatlined until thursday and then it took off again um and i promote it constantly talk about it but you know i just tell people i say look you go out to a lounge, you sit back, you're smoking $12, $15 cigar, you're sitting there drinking, you know, even if you're just drinking beer, right? All right. You're probably spending $5 a glass. You probably have two or three beers, maybe at $15. You know what? Forgo a beer or forgo one cigar and drop $10 on it one day. If every consumer did that, we'd be raising $100,000. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not hard, okay, to do that. It, it it's it's not you know uh, not hard at all. Um, and and speaking of hard, how how hard was it? And and not get you know, I want to say get in shape, losing the weight. You know, we talked about that. You know, the Weight Watchers thing. What 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 has been has it been hard training? Like what what is the training to climb? Because you can lose weight, you can get in shape. Oh. I can lift weights. <laughs> I can't train here in Florida to mount, to climb Mount Fuji. Yeah. How are you? So here are that? the challenges. So here's what I did. So the first thing I did to couple with the, with the dieting is I put myself back into Taekwondo, which I did with my son years ago. And when he left the program, I kind of left. So after 20 something years, um, I put myself back in, found the same dojo. They're a different location, but you know, run by a different sensei the other one passed away blah blah but i went back in with my blue belt and they put me in front of the class as senior student being the oldest and the highest ranking belt at that moment in the class and i'm like i know nothing well <laughs> you are now senior student because you're the oldest and the high of the highest rank right so it was fun um, I couldn't throw a kick. I couldn't, you know, I, I looked like a spaz on everything I did. It was ridiculous what I could do, man. It was stupid. And I was heavy and I was heavy with a belly and just, it was horrible. And I've been doing that every week, three to four days a week doing that. Um, my flex of that, that was designed and that was designed for two reasons. One, to continue with the weight loss and keep myself in shape, but B, to get the flexibility, to get the leg strengthened, okay, to get the cardio going, you know, you know, you're doing an hour of punching and kicking nonstop. I mean, it it's intense, right? Um, not out of breath and doing it at all, okay. Just yep, I can go up with the best of them. I can do two minute, two minute sparring sessions three times in a row with um, with different, you know, young, you know, teenage kids that like, you know, they can run circles around you, right? And um, so that's what I did for that. So that was the primary thing. And then about a month ago, so about a month ago, I started the next level of this because I said I got to get one step further. And that was I walk nine miles every Sunday. Okay, so I walk, leave my house at 830 in the morning on a Sunday. I walk down, go down US 1, down to this other road, which cuts right along the riverway here. Okay, over the causeway towards the beach. Okay, back over the causeway, and then my wife usually picks me up um, at either at Starbucks or the local pub there with a pina colada in my hand. Yeah. 
But along that route now, what I just, what I'm doing is there are, as you go going up towards the causeway, there's a there are steps to go down that go down along under the causeway where people go fishing under the causeway and get, and, and get murdered. But yes, <laughs> so they, this is Melbourne. So you go down the steps. So at first I would go down the steps and up the steps. And now what I realize is, wait a second. Right next to where the stairs are to go down, and it's about you know 20 feet down, you know, steps, right? There is they have rock that they laid on the edge on the on the on that incline to the left and right of the stairs. So now what I do is I walk down the stairs, then I climb up the rocks. I stand up and I climb the rock, just you know, maybe okay. just hold, just touch the rail once in a while if I had a walking stick, right? Go to the top, go back down. Go to the top, go back down, go to the top, and I do that 10 times. And then I cross the causeway, and on the other side of the causeway, there's another one of these things. And I do the same thing 10 times, and then I come back, and I do it one more time. So that's 600 feet of climbing rock. Okay. On On top of the nine miles. On top of the nine miles. What time did she pick you up? Yeah. About about 40 afternoons? No, about noon or so, around (laughs) noonish. Gosh, man! It takes me about three hours you. to do this, and um, and now what's going to happen is I'm going to extend that. I actually did a little jog this past week, so I, I said let me jog a little on this too. I don't want to bust my knees, but you know I said let me just do a little jog. So I threw in a little little jog here and there just to get it going. The first time I did this, my legs were like rubber for Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday. I mean, I was like, holy crap, what do they do to myself? I'm not going to climb this mountain. I felt like I had the flu. But now, all my glutes, my calves, my ankles, I have no pain in those now when I do this walk. It's like I get out there, I'm just like energized, man. I come back, I'm like, I could probably do another nine miles, okay? It's not affecting me. It's strengthening me. I feel a little in the glutes sometime like this past week. I, I, I did more of that climbing. And I got a little on the glutes um, throughout Sunday, but today I'm fine. I don't feel any of that. So my legs have strengthened, which is exactly what I expected. And then just before I go on the climb, I plan on walking from here over the causeway, down A1A, back over the other causeway to my local cigar shop. That's going to be about a five-hour walk, okay? And I'm going to end up at Executive Cigars. And that's going to be my final little thing, a little push for fundraising on that again. Um, to say, okay, oh, yeah. I just walked five miles to come here for a cigar. <laughs> so, oh, so, so executive is your local lounge? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was there. Uh, I don't know, six months ago. Great little for the first time. Nice in little Melbourne. lounge in Melbourne. Yeah, 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 in Melbourne. Yeah. So, oh yeah, su- super nice place. Um, so that's what I've been doing. So the only thing I haven't been able to do, obviously, is get go for altitude right so my son lives in tennessee he's fine he climbs mountains he goes hangs around he goes up and down the hills with his dog um i don't have that so i'm going from sea level (laughs) flying over to japan landing and we land on a sunday we climb on a thursday so i got basically monday tuesday and wednesday to kind of Go. I know some place. We're gonna to go to Kyoto one for, for 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 a day, and I know there's. I've been there before, and there's 
you go up in the mountains, you climb up these mountain areas, and you go up to where the shrines are. So we'll get some altitude, but we're not getting 10,000, 13,000 feet. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so tell us, okay. So, so the day of, the day of your climb, let's, let's, well, let's, we'll talk about like the night before. So, what, what, what does that entail climbing Mount Fuji, you know, when you, when so you the, show up there and you're climbing the next day? So, the night, so the night, here's how this works. So, on Wednesday, there is no alcohol consumption and probably no nicotine consumption in the body. Okay. There will be an exaggerated amount of water. <laughs> you yeah. will hydrate the self crazy. So a lot of water, 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 right? Um, carb carbohydrates are going to be very good, right? You know, cause going on a marathon, right? You do, do carbs, right? You need carbs, all right? They We then go on um, – Early Thursday morning, about six o'clock in the morning, they pick us up at a. Um, in, we'll be in Tokyo. They pick us up at a train station in Tokyo, and they bring us to. Um, we end up going to what's called level five, which is five thousand feet. Um, uh, is the level you start at, right? And I think that we'll get there from the time they get us to the time we get there, and everybody gets settled. I'm going with a tour group. Okay. It's a small tour group, but it's oh, okay. It's, all right. So, and, and we're going up the medium complexity trail, not the easy trail. Right. And what happens is, uh, I think we get there like about nine 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe in that range. Um, we all get settled in, make sure we've, you know, we got to have our back, you know, we'll, we'll have our backpacks. We'll have everything we need, boots and all of that. We'll rent the poles and a few other things that they'll rent. We can rent there, and then you start to climb and you start going up and you go up to what's level eight um, initially. So the first day on Thursday, you're going to climb from five thousand feet. To, I think it's like twelve thousand feet. Okay, maybe eleven high elevens, um, and that's that's level eight. You get up there in the early evening. Right. Okay, so I was going to ask you how long that how long yeah. that first the climb. whole the whole trail all the way to the summit is nine miles. That's oh, why okay. I'm doing nine mile walks by. Oh, the way. okay, okay. Just just put that in perspective. So, but you get up there. The majority of the hike you're doing in day one, and you're getting up to this area where they've got a base camp there, and um, you get some food and some water, some more water or whatever, and um, they have these bunks and you basically it's these huts that you go into and you're basically laying. It's almost like laying like like they're they're bed, they're not cot, they're cots, but they're all connected to each other. So you have a new friend next to you if you don't know, <laughs> you know, everybody just hunkers down in these things. And you you kind of bed down, you know, probably about nine thirty at night, ten o'clock at night, the latest, I think. And at one thirty in the morning you get up. And you start to climb. It's dark. You go up at night and you climb to the summit. That last run goes up the summit. And that's the hardest part of the climb because it's going to be the, the most elevation, you know, kind of, you know, angle wise. Um, but it's the worst is like 45 degrees. All right. Kind of thing, they say. So you get to the summit. You get there around 430 in the morning as the sun begins to rise and you watch the sun rise over. Now, along this trip. It can Mount Fuji 
being 13,000 feet, there's all kinds of things that can happen. The weather, okay, you can get clouds to come over. We're going in the summertime. You can get clouds to come over. You can get hail, sleet. It's snow-capped at the top. It's below freezing at the top, right? Um, you're going to get wind that can just come in out of nowhere, below, you know, 30, 40, 50 mile gusts can start hitting you. Um, or it could be a perfect climb. You don't know. It's just can happen in, out of the blue. So you got to be prepared for that. We have all, we know everything we need in our, you know, for packing to, to do this. You're going to have layers of clothing that you'll change as, you know, add to as you go up um, to get to the top. And then once you're at the top, once you get done seeing the sunrise, um, and along the way, and we're going to video a lot of this during daylight hours, and we'll be taking a lot of photos and be a whole article, Zoom, you know, there'll be a whole thing on this later to show everybody the experience. But coming down the mountain, they say, is actually sometimes harder than going up the mountain because where up the mountain, you got like a lot of steps that they have built in that you go on these trails, right? Because it's a planned pathway. Coming down, you're coming down kind of a shale side of the mountain, you know, with a lot of lava. Oh, so you're rock. not coming down the same side you went up? Not a hundred, not in the beginning. Oh. Okay, eventually okay. it connects. Eventually yeah. it connects, but a early part of that is just kind of this, 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 this incline, and people slip and slide on that all the time, and it's really hard on your knees. So I'll have, you know, I'll have knee wraps with me. Because just I don't want to blow my knees out, so I'll have some knee wraps, obviously. Um, and when you come in poles, right? And you just take it. It takes about three hours, three maybe four sometimes to get down the mountain. And then once you're down the mountain at level five, then they take you and they bring you back to Tokyo. And we'll probably be back in Tokyo somewhere in the afternoon. And all I know is there's going to be one hell of a sake party. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, so, so you, you spend the night and it's basically two days to come up, but you're coming down all in one shot. Yeah. You're coming down the same day you hit the summit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause you're going to see the summit. It's four 30 in the morning. You're going to leave the summit around six. Okay. Cause the sun have risen. You had your experience now down. Okay. And there's like, you know, three or there's like three or four different buses that take people back to where they got to go. So, so Kevin, I, I got a, I got some Mount Fuji fun facts. Yes, okay? Mount Fuji fun facts. So uh, is uh, I, there's a couple of out there that's either true or false or whatever. So is this true or false that women were forbidden to climb Mount Fuji? Yeah, I I, I would say true. Probably bad luck. Bad luck for women. Now it was uh, they were not allowed to climb until 1872. Um, the main reason was that women, especially beautiful women, um, made uh, the Kahona or Kanohana angry, and it caused yeah. Mount Fuji to erupt. erupt. Because Mount Fuji is a volcano. Yeah, w women are always been jealous since the beginning of time. Women, it's, it's an, active, women. It's it's an a, active volcano. What was the last volcano. year that Mount Fuji erupted? I'll let the audience answer that. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight thousand years. I don't know. Way, way off. Your your way, time, way Kevin, is equal to your geography. Oh yeah. Not that I and I I know the answer because I looked it up. So I pretty arrogant. It's like seventeen hundred something. 
1707. Really? 07. Yep. Wow. Yeah, you just don't hear about that. You know, like the Latin, you know, it's like all the other mountains, you know, 10,000 years ago, whatever. One one more for you, Kevin. True or false? Mount Fuji is public land and you can go and travel and climb anywhere on the mountain. It's got to be true. It's owned by the, 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 the country. Jimmy? You you can climb it any time you want, but I think you need a permit to climb it outside of the climbing season. Right, but it's all public domain. It's all public yes. domain. It's a sacred mountain, though. False. Mount Fuji is partially privately owned land. Oh, crap. There's yep. A, there's, a, there's a city on the other side of it. Right? It's the from, uh, I guess, the top, from the eighth station upwards is private territory. And it, uh, they own 1,300 temples in this country. It's the Fujisan Hangu Senjai Tasha. I'm sure I butchered okay. that. Okay. Um, in 1606, uh, the shogun of Edo period donated the area to the company. So they own the um, eighth station upward is privately owned land. There you go. That's the, the, so they own the summit. So that's why there's a restaurant at the summit. <laughs> and and a there post is. office. There's a yeah. restaurant at the oh, summit. Oh, is there? And a post office. I, I, post I, thought office. I thought you were saying, like, yeah, there's an Applebee's at the top. No, no, they, have a, they have a restaurant uh, and a post office and everything. And actually, as you climb the mountain, you've got to get, beside your regular walking sticks, you get this other stick. And every station, they, um, they burn in a stamp. They put a stamp on it on um, oh. each station. And, and you get, you get to take that home with you? Supposed to take that home with you, right? Oh, I don't know how I get that home because it's big, and you know, can you bring a mailing tube? Mail FedEx. It? It's, it's it's Japan. They got FedEx. Just put that in a mailing tube. Kev, you can go. get married. You can go over there and hike the mountain and get married. They get can married you? at a temple up there, yeah. So so, Jimmy. So uh, you you've obviously done your research on Mount Fuji. Care has as well. We were talking before the show, um, like. Care and I were talking. Someone had just climbed, you know, uh, like Mount Everest, and they were at the peak and or the summit and I saw a picture and it was like flat and like in, in, in my, you know, cartoon wisdom, all mountains come to a point. Um, so, so when you, not when you all, climb, not all well, volcanoes do that. Well, well, that, and I, I learned during the show, it's an active volcano too. So is there, you know, cause all the volcanoes I see are from villain movies and there's always, you know, a big, you know, caldera and it's full. So how, you know, is it, is it filled in? Is it flat? What happens when you get to the top? What is, what is there? There's a called, there are two actually. There's two caldera because it blew up. It had two two explosions. Okay. Right? So it kind of has two. I guess there's like two calderas up there that you can walk around the perimeter and look down in it. Okay, so is so it's a wide like area you can walk around. I'm thinking kind of like, yeah. You, you've never been to Hialeakala in my in in Maui either, have you? I have not. Yeah. So it's like going to Hialeakala. There's a there's a there's a divot. <laughs> okay so don't so 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 right right on so it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting now if somebody wanted to go and 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 climb mount fuji like you know and you don't have to give us like how much you paid for that what would be like a like a trip you know you go there maybe you land a couple days before you get prepared like what is the trip to climb mount fuji cost that's gotta be like what 20 grand no so no? what we did, no, so we, so 
the airplane the airplane flights uh i think we paid two thousand for the flight okay per ticket all right so two thousand for the flight the um we got an airbnb in tokyo which sleeps like up to like nine people or some shit. We got like complete re- house and backyard and everything. And I think that cost us a total of $1,600 for the whole week. All right. Because if you try to stay in a hotel there, that's expensive. Yeah. Especially is staying it? in Tokyo. Oh, forget about it. Tokyo is one of the most expensive cities in the world. It's just insane. So we, we opted to do the Airbnb route um, just outside of the main part of Tokyo. So that cost sixteen hundred total, right? And then the tour itself um, was—I'm uh, going to say a hundred and sixty bucks a person or something like that. That's it. It wasn't expen- It wasn't expensive. The the tour group wasn't expensive. Um, and then there you go, and some food. Now, now, do you have the option of just, you know, um, just you like you and your son? Would you have paid more? Like, I don't want to go in a group, just me and my son. You know, is that is that like an option? You can go to Mount. It's it, so the, the climbing season is between June and um, October, I believe. Late September, okay, is the climbing season, and anybody can go there. Anybody can climb it. You don't need a tour. Just get on a trail. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, so different trails, and you take the trail, and you know, gotta kind of know a little Japanese at times because you may not trails intersect and change, and they cross over. From what I understand, so it's where you got the guide helps you go where you got to go. But yeah, you could do it. You could do it by yourself, not a problem. I, 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 I will never climb anything again without a guide so jessica and i we were dating at the time we weren't even engaged yet so we took the kids uh to a trip uh, to north carolina and uh you know she lived there for like five years we wanted to see all these waterfalls and they're like this one place that had like six waterfalls and you go around these trails and you go to see all of them and you know and some i mean i mean it, it's so it either had a one mile like loop or a 10 mile loop Right. So, so we get to like this little fork in the road. And <laughs> the signs were not clear. The signs were not clear at all. Um, so we went this other way. And we're wearing sneakers. We're not. I, so we're now a couple of hours because you know got Wyatt. He was smaller, you know. Um, and we're, we're like a couple hours. We're, we're climbing up like these steps. You know, we're thinking that's going to take us back down. We get to about halfway up. There's a guy coming down. And Are you I'm doing not, this in Tennessee. Uh, I, I were in Tennessee or we were in North Carolina. If we did Tennessee, it off it sounds awfully like mistakenly taking the high ridge trail in this area in Tennessee. We might I did the same shit and I was like, uh, yeah. whoa. So 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 we so we see this guy coming down and because we have no cell reception, we're out in the middle of nowhere, you know. Yep. And we're like, hey, and I'm like, I'm like first one, hey, we don't know where we're at. Where where we need to get back to where we're going. So he pulls up his. We're now high enough. He has his phone and a map and he go and we're telling him what's going on. And he goes, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but your quickest way is to turn around. And Jessica goes, no, no, we're going to die. 
You know, uh-huh. not, that, that goes that that's not that's not happening. And the guys, and I'm looking at this map, and I'm like, that that's the only way. So now we turn around. We're going down. Luckily, it was on this mountain. And at one point, there was like this hole coming out of the side of the mountain and like this water, which we just assumed was safe to drink. Just assumed. And we're, we, we, we got something to drink. And I don't even know now. We're like coming around this bend. and We could see the parking lot. And there's this big log like on the side. We all sit down. And it's, I don't know, four or five hours later. And we're all, exa- I mean, I thought, I thought we were going to die. And I just look at Jessica and I'm like, if we can do this together, like there's, there's nothing stopping us <laughs> as, 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 as a group, you know, and that, that's how I knew. That's how I knew we were, we were going to make it, you know, and yeah, we did, a- we did that. We were in Tennessee um, visiting my son and I had, I had taken my, my grandchildren were living up there. So I took my, my, my granddaughter and my grandson, it was about two, 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 three years ago. And um, we decided to go on this hiking trip. And we took my dog with me, too, if I recall. And we just were walking around, just kind of walking down around this, uh, you know, like a reservoir area. It's in the woods. In the woods, you can see the woods go up. And we take this trail, go up this high ridge trail. We start to go up. And before you know it, it's like we're way up where we didn't think we would be. And the grandkids have seen to be like, our wife's like freaking out because she's got like a small heart condition going on. And she's like, ah, take it easy. Everybody take it slow. We'll get there. And we walked and we walked and we climbed and we climbed. There was slipping. There was falling. And we just kept, and my dog's just like, you know, the little cocker spaniel was like jumping over things and like looking at it. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> You know, if you can do it, we can do it, right? And we, you know, but it, it took hours longer than we expected. And when you see that, when you finally see that opening, when you finally yeah. see that parking lot again, it's like, oh my God, yes, the parking lot, <laughs> water, please. That, that, that's it. That was the, the most miraculous thing I'd ever seen in my life was a parking lot. But, but yeah, I, I just, uh, we still have a picture. I, I see it uh, come up on Facebook every now and then. It was just, like the four of us we took is just like that was you know the most brutal thing. I, you think it's gonna be the last picture you took? Yeah, it was like gonna be the last <laughs> picture we, we, we took. And you know we've got you know we got the four of us you know in in tennis shoes. We're with a, a, a young child that's got Down syndrome that already has you know thyroid and you know lung and everything you know. So and he's just he's he's about right. But that's just that was Wyatt though. He just he's a, he's a fight just never. Never give up, you know. So, I did, but. I did that in, in, in Hawaii and Maui once. We were climbing the mountain there. It, we're going through, I think we were going through like this bamboo forest up and up and kind of got into a zone where we're just walking along this trail and I wanted to take a picture. So I'm backing up. This is like decades ago. And I'm backing up to take the picture and I lost my footing and the, the edge of the where I'm at goes down like 3,000 feet, right? Literally. And I slipped off the edge and I just, whoa. And I grabbed this a branch and I just grabbed this branch, right? Which is about maybe a foot from the top of the, you know, where I fell. And I'm just like, ah, uh, help. <laughs> 
help. And the first thing my son, fun thing, fun, fun fact of my son, I had just bought a cool a brand new Canon hot shot, you know, digital camera. The original ones, a little that was silver and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I bought it just for this trip to take all the photos, right? My son, first words out of his mouth is, are you okay, Dad? No. Is the camera okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, the camera's not okay. The camera went <laughs> slamming into the red red muds, crusted. The whole thing's demolished. You know, because I had it on my wrist, and it just squeeing, swung right into the cliff. And my wife was destroying me. She said, you spent $400 for a camera, you idiot, you back. I said, yeah. well, I, nobody told me it was falling off. Why didn't you my, guys say that? So my, my buddy Butch, when he visited the Grand Canyon for the first time, took a little bus trip out there. And before the bus driver opened up the doors, he got out. And he said, there's only one piece of advice I'm going to tell all of you when you're taking pictures. When someone tells you to back up, don't. He goes, you tell them to back up. He goes, right. don't. He goes, every year, every year somebody dies at the Grand Canyon, if not multiple people, yep. from backing up for a photo. And they Same fall. thing with the Cliffs of Moore in Ireland. Yeah. Same oh, yeah. God. That's, and they'll never find your body there. No. It just gets washed out instantly. Cool. That's it. So... All right, so we're going to take a quick break. I have to give away. So uh, the other day on Facebook, I made a post about the new Drew Estate Freestyle Live Cigar. So I'm going to do a quick comment picker and pick the winner live for that. And at the end of the show, Drew Estate sent me a second one um, to give away. Now, these are our media packs, so these don't come with the entries to, to win, but you do get you know the, the cigars, the cigar rest, the holder. Um, you get everything in these. So I got to pick the winner from the Facebook group. And then have you figured out what it is? Uh, I think everybody knows it's a uh, uh, it's an offshoot of the Papas Fritas because yeah. it's it's the exact same cigar. Then I, I cut one open and showed the picture, and it is a mixed fill, you know, cigar. So it's not all long leaf. So I, I think I think uh, Ronnie from Secreto has nailed it. It's going to be a uh, an offshoot of the Pap Papas Fritas with the uh, the H ninety nine. Since they've been really pushing the uh, the H ninety nine, so I, I think that I think that's what it's going to be. So I'm going to share my screen uh, really quickly and see. Um, I put everybody's name in here right before the show. Just going to pick a pick a winner. Eric, oh man, almost got shirtless Mike there on the uh, on on the on the win. That was so, a and like I said, we're gonna we're gonna give another one away. How long these? Uh, well, there wasn't a whole lot of names. Um, I just I just pressed the button and it and it yeah and it just spins on its own. So I think with the yeah. more names on it, because I see because I see uh, um um let's see, are we? come back over here yet all right yeah i think with like i see uh, alex doing it from smoke in like when they're the new I, like I do mine for over th like 30 seconds i spent it just let it oh run. i didn't know that there was a uh oh i didn't even wheel? think that there was we, a uh, yeah you can set time on it oh okay this is the first time i've ever used this so the wheel the wheel yeah, of names that's the time the wheel of names you can set the time and you can also set tunes to play on it so I play oh, like okay. different music. 
Okay, I'll have to uh, I'll have to play around with that uh, with that that next time. So let me uh, um, let me get that name here. You can also down. put a picture. You can also put a picture in the middle of it. Anything you want. I I just saw where it said add an image, so I, I didn't get a chance to uh, um, to play around with it too much. So so all right. So we're we're gonna move along to some. Um, first of all, let's uh. How long have you been doing Stogie Press now? We're gonna we're gonna start off start off with that reviewing cigars. Or did you start off reviewing? Or was going it... into ten years, going into ten years, ten ten years. Um, ten years. Did it start? Did it start off cigar reviewing, or did you start off with industry news? No, started off with everything. Yeah, when I started it, so it started with with a large focus on boutique level cigars. Always has been my jam. Um, I focused a lot on the small brands, mainly because when I first started. Um, I had some small companies like like Anki Cigars. I remember Anki uh, sent me stuff way back then, and some other small companies found out about me, and um, I was doing some reviews of them and cigars that I would just you know buy in the shops and whatever. And um, but I was always trying to focus a lot on the boutiques because I felt that they're not getting a voice in a lot of this. I saw everything else. You see the big names. You don't see these small companies that um, are were up and coming. So I kind of got got my jam on that, and then um, you know, it take it took time. You know, the first the first year I remember going to, uh, well, I'll reel that back. I'll even go. So let me take you back in history if you want me to a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I've been smoking cigars since 1977. Okay, so you could do the math. Long time. Well, y- um, year I was born. So yeah, that's the easy one for me. <laughs> And um, in the 1990s, um, a colleague of mine at Norfolk Grum and the two of us, we loved our cigars, um, and we decided that we were going to create a, um, an, a, a, a magazine, a print magazine um, here in Central Florida because we felt that, you know, Cigar Fashionado hit the scene, but it's just this big national thing, whatever. He said, you know what? Nobody's focused on the, again, the smaller community and whatever. And back then you could smoke anywhere, right? I could I would sit at oh, the Chili's yeah. I would sit at the Chili's bar, fire up a cigar, have a margarita, <laughs> and that's what you did, right? Can you imagine doing that today? People would lose their shit. God. <laughs> um, but that's the way it was. So what we did is we came up with this thing we called the Central Florida Cigar Smoke Magazine. Okay. CFCS. And um, we started writing some articles. And we got a advertising portfolio put together. We put a sampling of all our work together, what we're going to go do. Um, the distribution was going to be, it was a free magazine. The distribution was going to be laid in all the sm- places that were cigar friendly. And there were plenty of them in this area, right? Um, so we said that was going to be easy. And then all we had to do now to get this project going was get some advertisers. That was, should be easy, right? We have everything else ready to go. Yeah, we were engineers. We didn't have sell. We weren't salesmen. We would go around. People said, "I don't know who you are. I don't know what it is. Why would I invest in you?" And we would explain what we're doing, and they're like, "No, nah, not interested. Not interested." So the whole project failed. And I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um, so life went on. I continued to smoke cigars. So did he. He ended up moving to Jupiter. I stayed here and. Um, I just enjoyed cigars for quite a number of years. And then about 10 years ago, my new wife, who is a 
web developer, graphic artist, and all of that, says to me, why don't you just create a website? I mean, what do you need a print magazine for? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. She says, I'll create your website. So we went through, came up with some names, and we came up with a name called SpaceCoastCigars.com. Pretty cool name, actually. Yeah. Uh, if I owned a cigar shop, I should call it Space Coast Cigars. Um, but uh, we started it with that, and that's how things began, right? People found found me from that, and uh, started getting some some little bit of traction. No advertising, but it didn't matter because you got a website. You're running a website. It was easy. It was cost me seven dollars and ninety five cents for the domain. My wife set it up. It cost me anything to do all the graphics work, and we're off and running, right? So we got this thing going, and then I move up to the Dearborn, Michigan area on a four month assignment in the dead of winter. The year that they had the like 90 plus inches of snow, it was like one of the worst snow winters they've had in a long time. So I get up there, we're staying in this town place suites, right? And I got me, my wife, and another dog at the time, right? Got that. And we're in this place, and it's just, you know, okay, so we got a cooking, you know, kitchen cooking facility, whatever, and it's I go to work every day. I was consulting with Ford. I come back, you know, and I would kind of like, you know, go outside and bundle up like all the people up north do, try to smoke a cigar. I'm trying to write notes, you know, and I'm like, I'm freezing my ass off. The cigar's not doing anything right. I'm saying, this sucks. I can't do this. This is terrible. And I have to write articles, right? How am I going to do this, right? So I said, we got to find a cigar shop here. So I started searching for some cigar shops in the Dearborn area. And I come across one called Don Yeos. It's right down in Dearborn, Michigan, right in the main main road. So uh, I go down there, and I'll never forget walking into that shop the first time. I got my Red Sox hat on. I walk in, and there's this six-foot-eight gringo behind the counter. By the name of Ryan Gallimore. Ah. And Ryan looks at me and says, You can leave. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to break my balls. And I said, Oh, I like this place already. I said, Fuck you. I'm here to buy a cigar. All right. So we get to talking and um, we got to be friends instantly that day. And he asked me, You know, what I do. And, you know, the engineering side and i told him this little project i got and we're sitting down and he looks at me and he goes jimmy you travel all over the world for business why do you have a regional mag online site that's the dumbest thing i ever heard of and i'm like you're right he says you gotta come up with a better name jim now, mind you, at this point, he's starting a company called Swinger Cigars. Yeah, I was going to ask you, was that before Swingers? That was okay. right at the time he's doing Swinger Cigars. He needs a website, right? So there's a Saturday Saturday afternoon we're there. I look, look at him, and I get my wife talking to him, and I said, why don't you go um, you know, think about this, and we're going to talk this other thing. We get talking, and we start going through domains, Brian and I, and we come up with Stogie Press, boom, $7.95. I said, I told my wife, I said, why don't you take this back and take everything from Space Coast Cigars, which is, wasn't a lot yet, and move it all over and redesign the site into something very cool. 
and um, we'll we'll launch it that way. We'll rename it, and I'll put an announcement out there. That's what we're doing. So she goes off and does that. We launch Stogie Press. Now, at this point, he, she also gets the contract to do the Swing a Cigar website at the same time. So she's all happy because now she can stay back and do her thing while I'm at the cigar shop doing my thing. It's a win-win. So now Ryan looks at me and says, well, now that you're in the cigar media, you can go to the IPCPCR. I'm like, he says, how do I do that? He goes, I'm not a retailer. He goes, no, it's easy. You just need to get a media membership. Where do I do that? Get on the website. At that time, it was 350 bucks. Put it in. Put my website name in. Boom. I get admitted to the IPCPCR membership. He says, okay. And I buy tickets to go to Vegas. And that, that was in like uh, March or so. Like not even March, probably February. I get the tickets and everything. And I told my wife, I said, we're going to Vegas <laughs> in July. She goes, what? I said, we're going to Vegas in July. Right. So off we go. And uh, Ryan, I have to say, if it wasn't for Ryan, Stogie Press would not exist. Hands down. 100% Ryan made Stogie Press happen because he walked me around because he knew everybody in the industry running the shop. And he walked me around that floor and he introduced me to all these people. All right. All the big names. This is my friend, and one after the other, and, you know, I came home with these these samples. Now, mind you, along the way, as I'm doing this work, I'm sending my message to my old friend saying, hey, you want part of this? This is our dream. Now I'm too busy. Ah, I only smoke Cubans now. Ah, here's every excuse in the book every time I ask him. And he's persona non grata on this, so... That was my thing anyway. And we do this, and it just, the first year there, everybody was like, you know, very cordial and whatever, got to meet people. Went back the second year, and we went to, we went to New Orleans, and we went back, and we do the others. And it took about, I'd say New Orleans was when I first started to get advertising on the site. My first true advertiser on my site was Mike Melody with MLB Adventures. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He was the first one on the uh, on board, and then I got and then DBL cigars came on board, and then I had some others, and it was you began to see how the industry, um, they 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 test you, okay? They really do. They they want a they want to make sure that you're going to persevere, that you're not just coming in and going, all right. You know, because you don't want to just start one of these things just for the free cigars. That's not what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Okay? <laughs> it's not what it's about. It's about do you have the fortitude to sit there and do this day in, day out, promoting the passion of this industry, okay, for the consumers to, to read, to understand, and do, and do, and are you building a following over time? And as that began to happen, then some more people came on board with some advertising, and then some bigger names came on. People contacted me saying, hey, Jimmy, you know, I'm seeing traffic coming to my our site from your site. Um, we want to advertise with you, all right? Because the way I would link, I always put the hot links into whatever I reviewed. So it just started, the engine started churning, and now it's kind of 
pretty much after 10 years now going on, it's a, it's a successful adventure. Um, I'm not buying a new Corvette with it, but it certainly, <laughs> it certainly defrays my household budget to be able to go out there. I can buy, I buy cigars with, with whatever I make. It takes me to events. I'm going to be up in Atlanta in, um, on, the, on the 10th of, of June for a, an event with Cigar Mike. I'm going to be in New York on the 29th. Or in the Bronx, can't say what's exactly happening yet, but I could just tell you something's happening in the Bronx. I'm, I'm assuming that's the Amendola event. I cannot say okay. no. <laughs> no, it's, it's not the uh, is not the Amendola. Event. Okay. Okay, but something is happening in the Bronx on the 29th on Thursday. Just be, just. I think there'll be a press release out on it soon, from what I understand. So, yeah, cool. Right. Well, we're we're going to back up for just one second, because uh, because uh, um, you obviously you you've known uh, Ryan forever. How's Ryan doing? I haven't I kind of give him a space. I, I haven't well, talked to Ryan's, him in a while. Ryan's doing good. He was he was uh, he's hanging out down in Nicaragua there for a while. He's uh, yeah. I, I was wondering he, what was going on. He's trying to set up a. Uh, and a kind of an accessory style company and uh, swag company to help companies down in Nicaragua, you know, get all of that together, you know, kind of parlaying some of the, you know, yeah. the work, the knowledge and stuff that he gathered doing the work at Drew Estate, you know, um, you know, which, he, which he, which he's good at. He told me he, what he it killed himself you know, very well in that. That's it. He told me what it took to get those spray spray can lighters to the right? market and yep. just what he went through. And if, if anybody, which, which, I, which I'm not going to tell anybody, but what he went through to get those, I, it, it would boggle people's minds what it took right. to get that spray can lighter. And well, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have known how to even start that. And then he got that and then it came to fruition. So he's able to come up, you know, take the creative ideas and stuff that they have and be able to turn it into something. So he's trying, he was trying to do something with that. Um, I know he was back in the States uh, for Mother's Day or whatever, but um, I don't know if he's back in Nicaragua again. I know he rented a place down there for like a year or something. But oh, he's in okay. with a partner. He's in with a partner or he works for a guy now that formed the business around this. So um, so he's doing some good stuff. Um, right, so is his family still in Miami or they go back to Michigan? Yeah, they were still in Miami last time I talked to him. Yeah. I don't think they All want right. to go back to Michigan, the family. Like yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm sure they do. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to go back to Michigan after living in Miami, you know. Right. So, so so we're gonna get into uh, uh, so 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 you start doing cigar reviews. Walk us through how you review because like I said because uh, on your website you actually you know kind of lay out you know how you do your cigar reviews to where most most places it is like secret on how they do yeah you know so their, my, their reviews. How do you how do you go about doing a review? So basically, I always, I, I try not to review a cigar fresh when I get it, number one. I want it in my humidor for probably at least a month, okay? Okay. Many times more than that. Um, there's a, a line of things in there. So when I get stuff, sometimes it's like, you know, there's like, you're, you're, you're here and I got all of this in front of me. I got to get through, you know? because you came in here and now these guys are way ahead of you in the lineup. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing I do then is what, when I actually do a review, my review of every cigar I review is done at 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. okay. First cigar today. 
I already had breakfast about nine o'clock. I've already had my two, maybe three cups of coffee if I needed it. I've had a glass of water. My palate is good. I'm in my lounge in here. Um, if it's the winter time, whatever, um, and it's cool, doors open. Summertime, right, right now, I've got a split AC system up here. Okay. And that's dropping 76 degrees of cool, comfortable air in here. So it's a cool, comfortable environment all the time. So it's pretty much solid. The environment that I'm taking the cigars from is a controlled electrical uh, humidification and, and refrigeration environment. So it's always at the same. Everything's the same. Everything's checked with my humidimeter to be within the range it needs now, to be. Now, are those in a, those are in a separate humidor from your regular cigars? No, no, no. Oh, okay. They'll, they'll rotate into that humidor. Oh, okay. I have one, two... Three, four, six, seven, seven small, you know, humidor, humidor yeah. not small, but, and then yeah. I've got cabinet. And I'll rotate stuff into that, you know, when I, when I know I'm going to have, I have a shelf on there. The one shelf, okay. there's one shelf of what's being reviewed, and then I'll rotate stuff into that, and I got other stuff in the bottom. Because you got to keep your humidor full, otherwise it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It's no. not efficient, right? So then I'll then what I do is every cigar I used to always do just a straight cut, that was my cut. So every cigar got the same cut, um, but now that I've got my handy dandy uh, baller cutter, <laughs> every cigar is cut with this. So same cut on cigars. Um, go through your standard pre-light aromas, feel, look, touch, whatever. Now I don't take any points off for anything on pre-light. Unless it's a really tight drawer on the pre-light. And even then, I got to be careful because tight drawers on pre-light turn out to be just fine once you, once you ignite it. Yeah. So you're like, why are you killing somebody for a tight drawer if it ignites and you got smoke? If I'm not getting smoke, then you're going to then you're gonna get dinged on the front end if it's a very low-volume smoke because of that tight drawer. And maybe it opens up later, but then you get a little ding on it. Um, I don't take off points for like any of the rest. Unless there's no, if I'm not getting any aroma on the barrel or the foot, then you lose, then I take off a point. Um, and every cigar, by the way, starts at a 94. Okay. That's the starting point. So I deduct points off the 94. And then I add, there are six bonus points you can add onto it. So if nothing was absolutely wrong with the cigar, if you deduct points, you could get 100. All right. Um, and that's going to be based on things like. <clears throat> A really long ash, a, um, a, a if it was um, a, a very complex new with nuances and and balanced, complex and balanced where it wasn't spiking you in weird places. Um, if it's a um, uh, if there's oil, if you get a little bit, if you're starting to get some nice oiling right below the burn line, right right below the burn line. I, that I, I I think is important because that's just showing the quality of the leaf as it's heating up to get that. So a lot of times you don't get that. If it's a perfectly straight burn line, almost under a microscope, we say, "Oh crap, there's no jag on that." Things like that are special bonus points. And then when it comes to flay, then it comes down to what are the point deductions. So a lot of the point deductions will end up being, um, you know, 
construction burn. So a jag in the burn is going to lose a point. An off burn is going to lose a point. A flat burn cone will lose a point. I want a burn cone to have a bit of a rosebud on it at the end. Okay. Um, okay. It shouldn't be pointy, like point, but it should have that, you know, kind of like a, a rosebud or an inverted strawberry looking thing at the end. Um, the, uh, you know, if, if like there are some pet peeve things in there, which I get once in a while, if I try to take the band off and it's just on so tight that I have to, like, I'm going to hurt the wrapper. Mm -hmm. You're losing a point for that. I'm sorry, guys. Don't put your bands on so tight. You, 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 hear, you hear that, Alec Bradley? You know, um, is yeah, stop screwing up. Now, now I, I want to interrupt you. We're, we're gonna we're gonna stop here with the with the bands, and then um, I've had a couple cigars lately, and uh, and I haven't reached out to anybody. To figure it out. You know, they'll they'll get the cone. You know, or, I mean, it'll almost come to a point, and it'll start to you know burn, but that cone stays. And then when I go to chip it off, it's like a brick. Like sometimes I'll have to take a cutter and actually cut that cone off. What's, what's been what's been caused? What what causes that? Do you know offhand? It's not it's not fully burning what's inside. It's not mm. fully combusting the filler. Oh, is that is that what it is? I, I wasn't sure if it was like a a stick in the middle, a stem. Um, but I said it's just been. I, I've gotten it a couple times and I didn't know. And it's like rock hard. So okay, yeah, so the whole just, thing is it, or it's or it's 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 um. It, it's charcoaling itself so much that it's solidifying it. Okay. Which also right. I don't think is good because you're probably getting a lot of tarry earth on it. Then. Yeah, it, it gets a lot bitter. of moisture, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get the I get the bitterness when that when that well, happens. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 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 the bands, you know, we all know Alec Bradley has the worst bands sometimes when it comes to those filthy hooligans. The only so. one. Yeah, they're they're not the only. We we just bust their ass because one one day I'll get a clean one, um, off off a cigar. But uh, but yeah, bands are a little, you know. And then flavors, you know, you know, if you get, I'm not, you know, I, I if the cigar is balanced, uh, nicely balanced, it kind of falls in the bonus point. If it has decent flavor, I'm not dinging flavors, okay. You know, if something is very floral doesn't have to be overly complex but it's very floral there are people that don't like floral cigars i i don't, don't like, like that I, i'm that not doesn't a fan mean it's a, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's a bad cigar no, just, not, you don't like it yeah I, like I, floral, I, probably loves that cigar yeah like like an opus x the floral is through the roof for me on that i cannot smoke the cigar I, it's just not my they always burn good no issues yeah. it, it's just that floral is not my cup of tea yeah. so people people that don't like it Okay, that's fine. I've had people tell me, oh, that got cigar's garbage. I say, what's wrong with that cigar? Man, it's too floral. I said, that's you. Yeah. The guy over here that loves floral thinks that's a great cigar. That's fine. I'm not going to judge it either way. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's floral, rich floral, nuanced floral, okay? But if it has heavy mineral pencil lead type <laughs> taste, you're not, you're not winning on that. That bad, I'm sorry. That's terrible. Okay. Um, charcoal-y, just, just like you said, it, 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 where it gets that charcoal bitterness. And bitterness is a funny thing because there's good bitter and bad bitter, right? Yes. You can have like citrus peel bitter, which is good. Yeah. Mouth-watering, good bitter. Okay. 
a bitter dark chocolate or dry cocoa, good bitter. I, I, I get that. And I, you know, when I used to doing reviews, I would say that, oh, I'm getting this bitter, bitter chocolate. And I would say, that's not bad. No. I, I, I love it. I love right. that bitter Sometimes chocolate. you got a caveat that it's that's not bad. Yes. Um, and then, you know, and, and there are other things that I, I guess there's a whole list on my site that explains it all. The whole article that breaks it all down um, to what I deduct the points for. Um, most of them are single point deductions. There are some double point deductions. Um, but I will say this. If I smoke if I smoke a cigar and I find out when I'm doing this that that cigar is really going to score like, let's just, I, I think below an 85, okay? Um, 86, 85. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to review it. I'm not putting a review out on it. I'm that, not going to wait. That was I'm not going to waste my time because yeah. it takes me four hours to finalize all of this stuff. I got to smoke it. And remember, that cigar, not only did I have to smoke it, but I have to power through it just to see if there was anything it had to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not, I mean, you you would take that cigar and put it in the ashtray on before it got to the second, third. I got to yeah. smoke it all the way down. And I'm like, oh, why am I doing this? Just to see if it has anything. Does it get any better? Can I give it anything, any any goodness? So you waste your time on that. Um, you waste your time in mouthwash afterwards. You, you. So I'm not going to write articles, and I'm and I'm also not doing because I'm not going to bash your baby, right? It's yeah. your baby, and I'm not going to bash your company. Okay, for so you know if somebody asks me if I smoked X Y Z cigar brand Z. You know, I, I would say either no, and I would say, what do you think of it? And I would just listen to him. Or if it's somebody I know well, I would say, yeah, I didn't really like that cigar. You know? yeah. But I'm not going to go out there publicly and bash a brand that somebody's invested a bunch of money in. Because this is this venture, Kern knows, this is, not, this is not inexpensive to get started in the cigar business. It's an upfront investments, and when somebody bashes your brand, suddenly it's like, well, God, man, nobody's going to buy my cigars now. Yeah, so. It's because everybody's, I mean, especially when you deal with opinion. But I had a question for you, because this came up during our interview, Kevin. I think it was the last interview before we talked about um, ash. I know you you, you deduct some mm. points for flaky ash. So I, I am curious on your thoughts on flaky ash, but we also talked about, like, the color of ash. Yeah, Because I, everybody's I always like, look at this pristine white ash, but we, you know, we were talking about that. Like, I've had some dark ash on a cigar, but the cigar was a flavor bomb. Yeah. And I've had some pristine white, perfect ash on cigars that had stack of dimes, very little to no flavor. So, start off with your flaky ash deduction. Yeah. Well, flaky ash, I deduct a point for a flaky ash because I feel that a, a cigar journey, as an hour and a half, two hour journey, um, is supposed to be enjoyable. And last thing I want to do, especially if you think about somebody um, who's wearing a nice suit, right? Got a lawyer, you know, doctor sitting in a nice suit in a lounge, and now this ash is, keeps flaking on his suit. That's just nasty, okay? I don't like that. And it, you shouldn't have that. That's terrible, okay? Um, so I deduct a point for flaky ashes. Um, when it comes to ash color, so that's a fun topic always. And I've been called out on it, positively and negatively. 
Have you? I, that, that was going to be my next question. Have you been called out on something? So I it's have the, been. I've been called okay, out. Cigar on review. Like, if you're not being called out on something, then obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been called out on on the on the on the deduction for ash color and the, the reason and. <sighs> In fact, Willie Herrera called me out one time. No way. He goes, did you really? like this cigar? He goes, come on, did you just, did you like the cigar? Does it matter? You know, <laughs> and I was like, you know, and it's like, okay. But here, here's where that came from. I'll explain where that came from. Um, complete transparency. I was sitting down here in my lounge with Robert Holt one day. And I was coming up with my rating system. And we were talking about it. And he was saying, okay, I like all of this. But he says, one thing you missed is ash color. And I said to him, does it really matter? And he says to me, yes. And here's why. And he said, take your charcoal in your grill. What color is it when you put it in the grill? What? What color is it when you put the meat on the grill? White. All right. You know what happened? All the organics have burned. Now, when you translate that into leaf, when all the organics burn, organics is flavor when it comes to leaf. Okay? When all the organics have burned, there's, there's, it has given you all it can. So when the, when the ash is white, it's given you all it can. Okay? When the ash is like a dark gray, it's not giving you 100% of what it could give you. They could have had that combustion, that blend, that set up so you could burn a little more, a little hotter, just enough to burn the rest of that ash, okay, to get it to where it was white or light gray. And it would then have given you, it might have, it might and most likely would have given you more flavor. And then if it's dark, right, super dark, it's not giving you as much flavor as it could either. That's the philosophy of that. It made total sense to me as a scientist. I said, I understand that. I'm going to go with that. And I went with it. And because I have gone with it, um, there's not a lot of cigars that I, I've had that I actually had to deduct a point for ash color because most cigars out there 90 plus percent of them are either going to be white or light gray yeah right you're not going to get that dark gray ash on a lot of cigars um so it's a rarity that it happens but when it does i'm sorry it's my system and if i gave it took a point off for somebody three years ago i got to take a point off for you too i'm not going to be disingenuous and say all of a sudden it's okay then i have to go back and change theirs it's like no it makes sense to me it, it does make sense, and it is rare that I get one, but I, I do get a dark, uh, like a super dark gray bordering on the black sometimes. And I've often thought of, and I've just never, never delved into what was what was causing that. I thought, you know, maybe like the soils it was grown in, whatever. I, I don't, I don't. Well, they'll know. tell you that a white ash, you know, the magnesium, the magnesium down in like the Dominican is more magnesium in the soil. I understand, and the magnesium creates a whiter ash. It burns oh, a little okay. hotter, so it, it, it combusts that leaf better. Um, you know, I don't know. It is. It, it, it is what it is. What it is you've you've never gotten in like a fight with somebody, have you? Like a verbal, like you know, like like utterly pissed at you. No, no. I, I think most. I think most. 
Because that will yeah. change the conversation of baseball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've only had a couple. <laughs> yeah, back when we used to do reviews, I only had a couple people mad at me, but that was probably justifiable. I was a rube back then. I'm a rube now. You know, what am I, what am I, what am I talking about? You know, but um, I mean, I've had the, people call me out on stuff, other stuff, you know, you know, even the idea of a, of a flaky ash, right. Or the ash falling too, too, too much on, on a cigar, right. It's one thing having a long ash, which is nice, but they don't have to have long, super long ashes, right. You know, nah. inch, inch and a half is a nice ash. But that ash is falling every half inch. You know, you're smoking it like this, and crap, you know? Yeah, you know, then, I, 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 I have a score sheet, too, and then I have a, a negative one for overly excessive. You know, if, if it fall, right. if it falls at a half inch, I said, I, I, it doesn't super bother me. The ones that bother me are the ones that are constantly, you go to take a puff. And it just and the ash yeah. is just going into. And I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. And I have pictures. I I could show you a picture sometime from God uh, ten years ago easily, where I had a Cuban sandwich torpedo. It was a two dollar cigar, right? Cuban sandwich. And one of my friends had a shop here that he had brought in. They were, they're actually were made over in Tampa. I forget the name of the company, um, but. I smoked that cigar, and I carried that ash from the foot all the way down to the nub. Yeah. Wow, on a Cuban sandwich. On a Cuban sandwich. That, that's and a, that's like, a, that's. And a I went, went like this yeah. with it, and it didn't break. That that that's a that that's that's impressive right there. I know the, I know the one thing that people like doing, especially with Dunbarton cigars, is getting like a like a two inch ash and then setting the cigar down on top of the ash and it will balance itself and steve oh, yeah. is notorious for his cigars being able to do that and and that's good that, that's a that's, good, a, that's good a good solid uh, construction stacking yeah. times very nice yeah all those yeah, I, that's it and then you also do uh, uh care you know care started off you know uh, his his uh, journey uh, interviewing or uh, uh rating cigar lounges you know as, as yeah. you've done as you've done too how'd you get into like uh, reviewing lounges. So I would go because I travel a lot on business. So I'm all over the country and all over the world before the pandemic. So what I decided to do is wherever I go, before I make my business plans, um, I find out where the where the factory or the office I'm going to visit is. Then I find out where the nearest cigar shop to that is, <laughs> and then I book my hotel room near the cigar shop. <laughs> And have my rental car to I'll drive to work. All right. Or or at least somewhere in between, but I'm close enough to the cigar shop. Because I'm always going to be at the cigar shop after work. And I always want to make sure it's open a little later than you know seven o'clock at night. So I would go into these shops and I would always take photos and whatever and take a few notes. And I said, you know, I'm gonna just start writing about these. Um, because I don't see anybody doing that other than what Kerr was doing at the time. I said, you know, I don't see this in the media guys doing it. And then I went to the next level where I give an award out every year to the uh, to the best lounge that I've been to that year. I mean, that's I might if I went to like seven new lounges, let's just say, you know, somebody gets an award. Last year it was a place called Bongo Rons. <laughs> Bongo Rons is in is in uh, Connecticut. And if you uh, ever get up there, it is a absolutely beautiful place right down 
off the Long Island Sound on the Connecticut side, down off the rip, Connecticut River there. It's a harbor town, old, old, uh, old sea captain's house. Uh, what a beautiful place. Absolutely gorgeous. Well-deserved. Yeah, I, I remember uh, uh, years ago, Jessica and I were uh, uh, in New Jersey visiting her family, and I reached out to you. I go, Jimmy, where do I go? And you're like, Sticks, Rawway. And I'm like, that's 15 minutes away. So I looked up, like, out of all the lounges, I'm like, I'm going to go to Sticks. Cool place. Cool, cool, cool place. Now, yeah, there's another you... one now. He just opened a second one. Oh, really? Yeah. How, how Like, in Rawway or, like, further no, away? No, it's or... in, um, shit, I can't remember where it's at. I was supposed to go up there for the opening, but <clears throat> we couldn't figure out the timing correct, and my work and everything was tying me up. The hardest part of working for a living is it ties up my cigar. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 do you have any uh, lounges in uh, um, uh, in Japan that you're gonna? They, do they have a lot of lounges, or what's the smoking they, situation they do. out there? They, they, do they? they have? They have some lounges. I mean, there's one like where I used to live in Nagoya. There was this little lounge that I went to all the time. Um, which is pretty cool. It's a very small place. Um, there is a few in Tokyo um, that that I that I know of that that I'll probably find my way into. Maybe. I mean, I'm going to bring a bunch with me. And most of the time, what they have there is Cubans, and that's just become a yeah. kind of a like. I was yeah. just in Madrid, right? I was just in Madrid, and um, I was in a lounge there. Beautiful lounge. And the humidor is really big. It had about a two foot by two foot space of Cuban cigars. Everything else was everything we like. It was like yeah. walking into an American humidor. Oh, nice. Yeah. Had all of this stuff in there. Right. And that's actually where I found a very fascinating cigar on the shelf, which is called, are you ready for this, Kerr? It's the Continente. It's the El Viaje Continente. And oh, really? by the way, if you look at the image on the side, it's got the compass on it. Really? Yeah. Nice. I had to do a, I had to do a double take on it. <laughs> oh my god! Care, get but on the phone. All, but it's yeah. it was he, he's been around for a long time. I mean, he's he's been in this business for a long time with that brand. I understand. But yeah, yeah. He's primarily a um, a, a Spanish brand. He lives in uh, Barcelona, I understand. And that, I picked that cigar. It was a it was a Lancero. I walked out of that lounge smoking that Lancero because you can't smoke in the lounges over there. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking down the street with my colleague, and I was like, "God, this is an awesome cigar." <laughs> so I went back a couple of days later before I left. I bought a box of like like thirty in a box. They're only like seven dollars a piece. Oh, I was like, "How is this possible? Seven dollar Lancero that burns the way it did and gave me all this flavor." So I found out you can buy them in Neptune. And you oh, get can you? Okay. You get a Neptune for like six dollars and thirty cents. Really? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Nice. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That so if you're ridiculous. looking for a really fine Lancero at six dollars and thirty cents. Yeah. 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 It's not a shit cigar for six thirty. It's a really, really nice cigar. Wow. You know, um, yeah, that is a good, a good, good price. Now, Kara, when you, when you were doing reviews of your lounges for, we'll ask Jimmy what he looks for. What, what did, what did you had your three points? What were you looking for in a lounge? What, what, did, you know, you I, I did, I did what Jimmy did when I, when I would travel and you know, this is gosh, what 
seven, six, seven years ago, I'd do the same thing where I was going to be working, map out the cigar lounges, get my hotel room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that was my, you know, my, my gig. Um, I always look for the, the Stogie Road 3, I called it, is location selection and staff. So location, I wanted to be able to provide folks with um, some feedback on um, the location of the, of the cigar lounge, but also was it easily accessible? Did you have to drive a little bit? How's the parking? I mean, all those you know things. Um, the selection was, what type of selection do they have? Do they have your standard cigars? Do they have boutiques? You know, is they have a nice uh, a humidor? Is it overhumidified? Uh, you know, how's the lounge and everything? And then staff was, were they helpful? Were they friendly? Um, because I rated it as the location will get you there. The selection will get you to buy. The staff will get you to stay and keep coming back. And if, if they had a great selection and a great staff, but maybe we took a little bit of a couple of extra turns, it was a little bit harder to get to, it was worth my time. You know, there's plenty of cigar lounges and cigar shops off of the highway. You pop off and you got your usual suspects in there and the people's behind the counter aren't very helpful. But if you want to pick up a cigar, you could do that. But um, that's the way I always rated the cigar lounges that I went to. And always passed along that information to folks when they contacted me on what cigar lounges they should visit. Now, now, what, what are you looking for, Jimmy? So I, I, I'm pretty much on that page. Um, I will also include the fact that um, uh, when it comes to a, a humidor, I want to make sure it has big brands, medium brands, and small brands. Okay, don't have to carry everything because nobody can carry everything, but at least the right selection. Um, I want to also, I, I, I go in, when I go in, I don't announce myself who I am right away. I just go in and I catch the vibe. I just want to mm-hmm. sit there. Like, like I'm just somebody that's not part of that area. I just, I'm, I'm a traveler. I just walked into your lounge. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to sit at the bar. If there's some people at the bar, you know, is it inclusive? You know, if I turn and mention something about a game on TV, is there a conversation that can get started? Okay. Or is it this kind of clicky thing that you get the vibe of? Because I don't like clicky lounges. I yeah, like no. lounges no. where people are friendly and open to conversation, you know, not overly conversive. I mean, I get it. Sometimes people are busy doing other things, but, um, the attentiveness of the staff, both at at the at the at a bar or whatever, and in in the humidor, um, I the bar doesn't necessarily have to be a full liquor bar, okay? It could be beer and wine. It could just be no nothing, okay? But if it's nothing, do they offer at least you know somewhere you can get sodas and mixes? And some places don't even let you sell that. I mean, there's laws against things in this yeah. country not right but you know if, if the law allows it you know are they are at least give you that they have ice you know that they, that they have you know you know if you could bring your own in you know bring and i have a, you know you bring a bottle of rum can i get some ice and a coke you know i'll buy a coke you know and i look for that comfortable seating clean clean bathrooms nothing pisses yeah. me and walking into a bathroom and it's fucking toilet paper all over the place and there's crap stains all over the toilet. It's like, go clean your bathroom throughout the night, especially on a busy night. 
you got to be in there taking care of that because that's a that's disgusting in, in a cigar shop, okay, for multiple reasons, right? Um, because you're touching things and you're walking out and you're touching stuff in a humidor. I mean, just I don't want to gross people out, but just think about that for a yeah. second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, so that I, is I, like, yeah, 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 I know where yeah. I mean, that's important. That's important to me. Um, parking, like you say, I think parking's important, man. If I can't find a parking spot, it might be a nice place, but nowhere to park. I mean, I mean, I can't come to your lounge, right? Yeah. Um, you know, do they have? I do. I do see if they have a, a a membership program, okay? And what does the membership program offer you? You know, like in my lounge here, an executive, it costs seventy five dollars a year, but we get twenty five percent off all our purchases of cigars, oh, wow. of cigars, accessories. So if I buy a box of cigars, it's twenty five percent off. So would you, if your seventy five dollars goes a long way, it doesn't come oh, yeah. with a locker. If you want a locker, you pay extra. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. But I don't need a locker. But um, that I think is important. If if the price makes sense, right? If you're forcing people to go into a membership to have a locker and not being able to get the discount, it's kind of not fair. You know what yeah. I mean? You know. People want to be part of the uh, part of the family, if you will. So offer them family membership, right? Mm-hmm. To give them some discount. Um, so those are the things I, I, I generally look for. Um, yeah, I, I think that probably covers it. And I yeah. do have a system on that where I actually have have a spreadsheet that I have point values on these things, and they're weighted. It's not a those are weighted points for different things. Some things are weighted more than others. Okay, and I and I'll and at the end it comes up with a score at the bottom. At the end of the year, I just look at the scores and I say, okay, that one's number one. So, so what should uh, being the, the 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 two of you, you know, have visited lounges, you know, um, many many lounges more than I'll probably ever visit in my life. You know, we, we hear a lot about lounges, especially you know, COVID took down a lot of lounges. You know, then a lot of lounges haven't survived after COVID. They can't seem to find, you know, people to come back. What what are what can lounges do? Like what is like one or two things to get people inside the lounge to to just come in and check it out, and have have a cigar. Good events, good events. You got to have events. You don't have to have live music, but you got to have good events. You got to work definitely with your with, with your brands and make sure you have you know like my you know my lounge every every month has a monthly meeting which is sponsored by a particular brand. You're always getting great discounts, great raffles, great fun raffles, not just simple. I mean, they, they make a game out of it. It's like a game show. They have a fun time with this. And, and food, there's always food available at that. So it's always – and it, but, of course, you're 20 bucks to get into the uh, yeah. to the event, right? But you get your $20 worth. You know what I'm saying? Um, you get a cigar. You get food. You get a raffle ticket. And if you buy stuff, you get more raffle tickets. Um I, I, I think that's important. Um, I, other than that, I, I mean, personally, what can you do better to bring people in? You just get your, your folks have to put out word of mouth. Keep it, you know. Are you in the right location? Sometimes you're just not in the right location. You know, I mean, is there a cigar shop like a mile away from you? I mean, I see that all the time. It's like new guy opens up, he's a mile away from somebody else. It's like, you really think you're going to do well with that? The other guy's oh, been there for 16 years. Try to put him out of business. 
ain't gonna happen. It, 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 exactly. Can't well, care well, what, sometimes that works, though. I've seen it happen. <laughs> oh, well, especially if you're I, offering I, something that the other lounge isn't. But uh, I, I, I've seen that happen. Well, yeah. Lo- lo- yeah, yeah, I've seen that happen locally here. You know, yeah. something a lounge doesn't offer, refuses to offer. Something else opens up, offering all that that those people yeah. want. I think it might be rare, but it does. Yeah, yeah. It, it does happen. Care, yeah, what do you, they what grab, you, what they your... grab a certain demographic and a clientele. Mm-hmm. That's it. What, what are your thoughts, Care? What, what can lounges do to, to get people in? I think the, you know, having events. Oh, ladies' and, nights, too. Ladies' nights. Yeah. But I, I think having events, I think, you know, the ladies' nights kind of, uh, you know, speak to having events and having them specific. Um, I know, you know, some of the lounges around here that are um, – successful also have um you know they'll have a big events like cigar events with with brands but they also s- support some local groups so they'll do local group events as well so that always keeps the locals flowing through there so it's not always a big drew event estate uh you know drew event uh, a drew estate event or agonor salif it's the local you know whiskey charlie bravo event or you know the local business event so they they do uh, cater to the the brands that are in their humidor, and have some great deals, um, uh, and and like Jimmy said, food and all that. But they also um, serve local business groups or local social groups as well, because those folks are going to keep coming in right. all the time. And I think really um, having a very good, knowledgeable, and supportive and helpful staff, and that's what was the, the most important out of my ratings always had to boil always boiled down to the staff and and the lounge and everything goes along with that but you know th- there's something to be said when i go into a lounge and they welcome you they ask you if you need anything they engage you they have a conversation with you they're not overbearing they're not following you in the humidor but they're also just not sitting there going hey uh let me know if you need anything uh-huh yeah, yeah, and and yeah, that's yeah. you know when you have an engaging yeah, staff, that's when you'll smoke something different. That's when you'll smoke a boutique. That's when you'll you'll leave. You'll go in wanting to buy two cigars, and you'll leave with six. And and I think that's what keeps those businesses not only successful and thriving, but I also think it keeps the local folks actively coming in there. And if anybody is in from out of town and they stop in. They're going to tell all their friends about it. They're going to talk about it. They're going to tell their friends if they're visiting, you know, who are local about it. And and that's that's truly important is is in embracing your local community and being more actively involved locally and having folks that truly are knowledgeable, but also very friendly and engaging. You know, you talk about friendly and engaging. <laughs> you know, so so I, I used to visit my uh, local lounge. I mean, I I don't frequent as rarely as much as I used to. I mean, I used to go there two or three days a week, but I remember coming in for the first time, new lounge. I was kind of a fairly new cigar smoker. I mean, new as in, you know, getting into this industry. So I was still apprehensive about going into certain lounges. And I remember going into that lounge for the first time and you walk in and there's a group of guys, like five or six guys talking and they stopped their conversation. And every one of them looked up, Hey, you know, greeted me as the new newcomer. And then as I got to be part of that group, that was mm-hmm. one thing that, that we always wanted to make sure that everybody that walked in was greeted, you know, to make sure, Hey, you know, you know, it's how you doing, you know, what, you know, welcome, you know, and then when they come out of the, the humidor, it's just like, 
is this a click? You know, we'd always be like, hey, you know, come on. If the seats were like full, I would get up. Hey, come on over, you know, have a seat with us. You know, where are you from? And those those are the greatest, the greatest lounges and the food. Food always brings me in the same lounge once a month. <laughs> it was a, it was a specialty potluck. It would be barbecue or it would be, you know, in the wintertime, chili. It would be desserts. Oh, yeah. Always- that's another thing, right? Doing like having chili cook-offs and barbecue. You know, people mm-hmm. bring the patrons come in and they, they offer their, their their fine cooking and you get a judging of it is always, always fun. Those types of things are fun. And community outreach, okay? Yeah. I think I think lounges are part of a community. They need to earn respect in the community because some people will thumb their noses at cigar smoking, but they need to recognize that they're giving back. They give back to the community, you know, involving, you know, charity golf fundraisers and charity, you know, get, get involved with the, you know, the, uh, the local art fair, whatever it is. Yeah. Get involved in that. And people will you, – you may not win <clears throat> all those people into your lounge because they're not cigar smokers, but they might be bringing somebody around to this event who is a cigar smoker and realize, oh, there's a cigar shop here. Cool. I yep. didn't know that. Thank you. I have a lot Thank of my you. friends reach out to me and talk about cigar shops who who don't smoke, but they're like, hey, we know that you you have your cigar brand. Hey, have you ever been to this cigar shop? My friend goes there. You know, You might want to give it a try. And like you said, Jimmy, it's 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 just being involved and being visible um, will will always benefit, especially when you're when when you are reaching out into the community. Oh, and the other thing the 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 other thing I judge a lounge on is the quality of the air. Yes, yes, I, I have a local lounge that that I, I do try and free a different lounge from what I was talking about before. You know. Um, the air, Jimmy, you were there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bad mouth him, you know, here locally. Man, it's brutal. You get 15, yeah. 20 guys in there, and it's just yeah, after like two hours, in, I got like, I gotta go. Yeah, if you're, if you're going out on a date with your girlfriend or your wife, and you have a dinner and you go to the cigar lounge, even if she doesn't smoke, she just, you know, she wants to be with you, she doesn't want to be in a smoky, <laughs> smoky room. All right. They don't like it. It gets in their hair, gets in their clothes. They can't. You know, people, some girls can't stand that, and that's that becomes a no win after dinner. Yeah. So. Nope. That, that that that's it. Um, what what are you what are you smoking a lot of lately, Jimmy? I I, I know you got your reviews. Do you, do you have do you have a go to you've been you've been really digging on lately? Um. Well. I've been really enjoying the DAV fifth anniversario. Okay. That one really piqued me a lot. Um, I also have been um, smoking through a number of the uh, Mickey Peg cigars. I think those old Saint cigars are solid, especially the Colorado. I'm loving mm. that Colorado right now. Um, I think I have a few left, and I'm just like, same, nope. same here. Same here. Gotta yeah, put them away, so man. I'm gonna put those away for a while and just let them see how they age a little mm. bit. Um, I got, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to, um, you know, this afternoon I, I fired up uh, another uh, uh, on the Crown Ten. Um, 
I, I can't it, get enough of those, man. I, I, I it's as in from the big, the big guys. I, I, I don't think I smoke anything more than the Undercrown Ten. It's I, just, I, I just love that stuff. <clears throat> it is just a solid, solid smoke. You know, that's been been an awesome cigar. And then some of the small stuff, like I know I, you know, I've talked about them before, but uh, company over in, um, over in your neck of the woods, over there, Tarpon Springs. Okay, Seraphin to Cuba. Okay. I, I've I've heard of them. I've ne- I haven't had a sm- chance to smoke one yet. Take a trip. Take go take a trip up to Tarpon Springs. Yeah, it's go, not too far go, away. Yeah. Go 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 take your wife up there for some Greek food because that's they have a nice Greek town right there. It's, so it's all the whole strip has got all these Greek restaurants and things. Take her up there for a little Greek food and then go visit this this lounge called Seraphin de Cuba, and he hand rolls everything in the lounge. It's all made there. Okay. And he has some really good craft that he's been putting out. Um, goes back third or fourth generation Cuban American, um, you know, typical history. But the la- his it's not it's a shop. It's not a lounge. It's a shop with a bunch of shirts hanging inside and apparel with um, uh, some, some cigar- his cigars in there. It's just bo- mostly all his cigars and. His people, they just sit outside on, on underneath a, an awning on a cement patio in plastic chairs, and they just watch the people go by. It's one of those old school shops. You just sit outside and just have a conversation. Um, it's a very pleasurable afternoon to have in Harvard Springs. And it's, they're very inclusive, very good people. And his craft is, is amazing. His um his print his pr- principal to gals the Prince of Wales is a phenomenal cigar. Okay. Oh, the, 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 Je- yeah. Jessica loves he's rebranding. Food. He's rebranding yeah. a lot a lot of these old Tampa brands. He's buying okay. all the old nice. brand marks. So oh, right, right on. Well, well, I, I got one more. Actually, I, I have like a whole page of quick. We're going to have you back on, Jimmy. And uh, I, I got like if you got time in the next month, because I have got like a whole other page of questions to ask <laughs> to get your opinion on. But this is Jessica about 20 minutes ago would have been snapping her face. Yeah, at, I was going to say, at, well, I can't believe it was almost two and a half hours. I, I can't believe. So uh, so we, we got we're going to I'm going to reach out to you, Jimmy. We're going to have you on again. But uh, my last question for you. Um, which boutique cigar maker, in your opinion, should be blowing up, but isn't? Like, like they just haven't. Like, you're smoking for me, like Mickey Peg, All Saints, DBL, spoke, you know, DBL. DBL. Yeah, DBL's DBL. been grinding, grinding for years. DBL. How are they not? Just, just opened up a brand new factory down in uh, down in the Dominican. Oh, did they? Uh, Ten thousand square feet. They just they partnered with the box factory that they work with. They have a they took all that box factory that was down there and they moved it into another facility, brand new facility. So they got that boxes being made there. They got the cigars. He's got he's he owns a number of fields throughout the Dominican. There's that that brand should be exploding right now. I don't know why. I don't get it. Um, he it is just to me. I mean, he's got he's got plenty to sell. And he goes, he does a lot of his rolling events, and he's very popular, at, you know, going to shops and rolling cigars. But I'm going to tell you what, that's a brand I absolutely love since day one, and I still love those cigars. Who, who owns who owns DBL? Francisco Amante. Okay, I'm going to write that down. I've, I've never talked to him, 
So uh, I'll, I'll definitely reach out to him. See, you know, maybe we can help push it, you know, get him on the Francisco, show or something. Francisco Monte. Um, and he is so knowledgeable. You got to say something. Francisco was mentored and worked under, he, he ran the factory under Lito Gomez. Oh, okay. okay? And he also studied under um, Car Carlos Senior. Oh, wow. Okay? So he knows a lot about tobacco. A lot. And he did something at his at his. Uh, I was down for his grand opening of his factory, and he gave it. To, he was given a tour to his all the shop owners. They brought down and everything. And I'm going to tell you what. Uh, he took a leaf. He was given an explanation about colors of leaf, dark leaf, and how some people make artificially dark leaves. Right. Yeah. So not everything. Maduro, yeah, is real. It's not real. Some Maduro is Maduro is aged, supposedly aged leaf. It's been in Cologne for a long time. It's get it, it's aged. What you can do, and he showed this. He took a leaf. This is this color, and then he took that same leaf, and he wet it a little bit, and he started to rub it between his hands like this. Right, heating it up, and then he opened it up. Imagine that. Yeah. It's dark. It's dark. And he said, and he looked at everybody. He goes, "Not everything you see is what it is. Just remember that." Okay. That that He's that's just, the only negative side that I have found being in the cigar media. I've been able to peer behind the curtain. And like I said, some of the things I have found out, it's like, ah, crap. You know, it's like, what? There are things I won't talk about. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, say, say, but say, you, same. you know, you know, Kerr knows. We've seen it. Anybody that's been yeah. that, that makes cigars or has seen things enough, there are things that, you know, not everything's what it seems to be. But, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter because if the consumer likes it, in the end, it is what it is. All right? It is. It is what it is. Kerr, what about you? What would you like? What about boutique cigars? Who who who's like who should be blowing up but they're not? Hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, I I, I think there's a lot of great brands out there, and I, I I guess for me, I I guess I would have a different a different definition of blowing up. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, if there's a lot of brands out there that, you know, if their aspirations are to be in every lounge, then there's a whole bunch of brands out there, including myself, that should be blowing up, yeah. you know. But, I mean, if you're if you're working hard and you have a, a, a plan, whether it's short term, a short term and a long term plan, um, it's eventually going to happen. I just think, you know, everyone needs that 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 one little break here and there. It's always helpful. But um, I don't. I think you guys probably have a little bit more um, in, in, intuition, a little bit more intuitive when it comes to a brand that you maybe have been seeing or you're familiar with, especially Jimmy with all that he's doing that you feel should be doing more than what they're doing. I, 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 I wouldn't be able to even judge that yeah. to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, Well, let's maybe reframe Maybe I could reframe that question ever so slightly as a comparison. So you want to think about boutique brands over the last, eight years, right? Um, some are still where they're kind of at. They haven't really gone trajectory, mm -hmm. right? 
now take just take it as an example a brand like uh, Southern Draw. Eight years ago, nobody knew who Southern Draw was, right? Today, everybody knows Southern Draw cigars. Yeah. He's making he's making millions of cigars. He is he's in all these shops because he is nonstop pounding pavement, traveling around the country like a maniac, working his brand, doing what he does best to promote it and get it in the shops. Well, there you that's go. what it takes. That's and what I'm saying. There has, you go. And he's got good craft. I mean, that's yeah, right. yeah. He's, yeah, he's got, got great cigars, but he's, he's got great cigars. Not but he's short also of out busting there. your ass. Yeah, I mean, you he's have to have that opportunity. Ass. Yeah. Kevin Schweitzer is another one who's really starting to grow because he's really working it hard. He's everywhere. Okay, and he knows he has to be everywhere to mm-hmm. make it happen. Yeah, so. same with uh, Doc Rodriguez. You and know, Doc GTO. Rodriguez is really starting yeah. to t- starting to he, he 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 was here, okay, and now he's beginning to he's he's getting from that boutique level to that the next level up. I can see him starting to get there because you begin to see people that weren't talking about him are talking about it now. All right. You know, if you follow threads and stuff and groups yeah. and things, you start to see that pop up every now and then on a feed that somebody's smoking a GTO. All right. But you wouldn't see as much of that two years ago. No, it's yeah. being everywhere. He does a lot of, I mean, I just, I know Doc too. He's, he does a lot of, he's, he, that man is. If he would just retire finally. Crazy <laughs> working and, and with, you know, between, you know, being, you know, being a physician and, and that work on top of the cigar business, <laughs> the guy pretty much lives out of his vehicle. But I, I think, Jimmy, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you got to have a good product. That's great. But you have to have the ability and uh, and you have to have um, the opportunity and you have to work and, and get out there and, 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 pave, and, and hit the pavement. Some folks can do it. Some folks can't, and I think that's always going to be a part of a. I know, like for me personally, that's part of of the business plan. Is you have oh. to look at, you know, you have to look at. Is it okay, your business or is it your second business? Well, it's. I, well, I'm gonna. It's a fucking business, no matter what. No, 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 no. Is business. it? Is it? Is it but, your but, primary? But but my job. point. But my point is, is when you look at your primary job versus something that you are have a passion for and you're doing, that you have to go. Okay, how much time can I allocate to this? And if mm-hmm. I allocate X amount of hours, then I could actually track and and do some projections on my growth based off of the time I could put into it. Right. So I know there's some fucking idiots out there that call some folks, oh, it's your hobby. It's this. No, it's a passion and it's a job. Just right. shut up and and mind and, and mind your P's and Q's. You actually yeah. have to Are be able to taxes? allocate. <laughs> right. If, if, yeah. if, if the money's coming out I of your pay pocket, taxes on my business. if it makes you feel better at night to call it that, then that's fine. But at the end of the day, people are, you know, whether you have five hours a week or 50 hours a week to dedicate to your business, I don't care if it's cigars. Or if you're freaking making freaking hair hairpins or or bows, you're still putting in that time, and you can you can project your growth, and you can project your 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 profits based off of the amount of time given. Or to you're that making specific. these. Or you're making. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. That is Jimmy, the official uh, cigar propometer. J- Jimmy, how how many times do people tell you, boy, it must be nice to sit around smoking cigars and just writing about them? You know, I, I, I said that the other day to me. Did you? And I, and I was like, 
Not for nothing, but I've been doing this. I've been smoking cigars for 40 something years and I've been doing this for 10 years and I've given my heart and soul yeah. every yeah. every non-regular job working hour to this. That's why I'm not in the house with her right now. <laughs> that, is why when I, that is why when I say when someone criticizes it, calls it a hobby or whatever the hell they want to do, it, it's just such a condescending thing to say to someone who has a passion for this and dedicates their time and their effort to this and really loves and respects the community. What you've done and what you do, Jimmy, it's not like, you know, it, it's, it, it takes time and, and you're taking your spare time to do it. That's worth something. And people may not agree with you on some things, but at the end of the day, you still have to respect the person who's dedicating their spare time to it because of the passion. Right. That, that, that's it. I, people, people always say it must be nice sitting around smoking cigars, and I go try it, try it. Yeah, well, you, Kevin, you, you're the hardest working guy. I mean, yeah, I tell you, I, I I did a show for years, and Kevin and I laugh about it because I did some research, but a lot, all my interviews, it was always a little bit more conversational. And when I started doing a show with Kevin, I really started to, you know, Kevin and I became friends. We've been friends for years now, but really fully understanding the research that he does, the preparation that he does, the we bust his chops a little bit about being anal retentive, but that's the reason why it's the best fucking show. And I don't say that because I'm on it. I say it because yeah. I'm being objective about it because I've always felt that way. And then when I got to see and look behind the curtain, I was like, oh, shit, that's a well-oiled machine. It's not a fucking hot mess back there. Right. Yeah. I know, by the way, bring what before we close, just I just want to do a quick little plug. So on GTO cigars, since we brought it up, I should mention that once we hit the six thousand dollar level, so we're a thousand dollars away on this client for autism. Okay, okay. I, I was gonna ask you about people can keep donating, yeah. it doesn't stop. Absolutely, your, keep oh, donating. Okay, okay. And if okay. they donate, if they donate and push it out there, if they donate, when they put their donation in, have them put a dash and have them write cigar prop i, I i've been i've been telling everybody right. try and do cigar right. prop so yeah because i'll get the dashboard and I'll, I'll be tallying that all up to see who what group what brand how's that tied to gto so gto it's at, at, at six at, <laughs> no because here's the thing. i'm curious at at um at the, the next thousand dollars so six thousand dollar level so at four thousand we did a bunch of prize giveaways at six thousand, one of the things we're giving, I got a whole bunch of stuff from from Oscar. I'm giving away. Awesome. Okay, so we got some packs going out at the six thousand dollar level. I got some other prizes coming in, and I've got some bigger guys I'm talking to this week, trying to get even bigger and better prizes. Have you had all a right? new cigar? I've had all this stuff. Yeah, the thirty three oaks or whatever it is. I just reviewed oh, one. I just it? reviewed the Connecticut. I thought it was a decent cigar, man. What did I say well, about well, it? I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been. I've been telling everybody if, if we get cigar prop as the most, I never even discussed this with Jimmy. I've just been saying it, you know, for like the last month. 92 if, if, to Connecticut. <laughs> wow. Connecticut so, Corona Gordon, 92. Very nice cigar. Yeah. So I've been telling everybody if cigar prop gets the most amount of donations, Jimmy is going to take a lighter bleed tool up to the top of Mount Fuji with him. And then I am going to auction it off and all proceeds go to you know, autism speaks. So there we go. If, if we, if we get the most nice. donations, you will have the only lighter bleed tool that's been to the top of Mount Fuji. So you get to say that I'll make some kind of certificate of authenticity to go with it. 
And then, uh, so yeah, so put that little dash cigar prop and then, uh, well, maybe someone will have a chance to win a yep. lead tool. It's been to the top of so Mount right now. So right now, smoke in $1,400. That's yes. Number one. Yes. Um, executive Cigar Lounge, a little over 500 right now, number two. So right now, by the way, at 5,000, we may now be the number one. And I got to check the stats. But I think we are now no, the number one Autism Speaks campaign right now running. Oh, that's oh, nice. congratulations. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, Care, any uh, uh, final uh, questions for Jimmy no. before we let him go tonight? Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it. And good luck with everything. This is awesome. Yes. Yep. And congratulations could. to your son as well. I mean, that's uh, much, much luck and great fortune. Yeah, he's actually yes. going to be on the show with. Uh, we're going to be on with uh, Johnny Smokes on okay. June June eighth, and Dominic's going to join us on that show. Oh, perfect! And, uh, and like I said, I'm going to reach out again with you. I definitely got to have you back. Like I said, I've got a whole page of industry things that are happening. I'd like to get your opinion. Care? Maybe we'll get another member of the media, and uh, so we'll definitely get you back on here soon. Because, uh, like I said, uh, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about still. So, all right, Jimmy. You have a great night, man. Thank you very much for having me on the show. My dog has been very, very patient tonight <laughs> sitting next to me. Um, he's looking to go out for his walk. So, um, and I said the magic word, so he just perked his ears. Um, All right. So thank you. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank have you a good night. Everything. Jimmy, good thank you for you, everything you're doing for this. Um, it, it's greatly appreciated. Trust me. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. You have a good night. You too. Enjoy, guys. See you. Thanks. Bye. See you. All right, everybody start typing in the word cigar for the uh, uh, the Tapping Ash and Taking Names giveaway presented by Amendola Family Cigars. In the meantime, let's hear a word from our sponsor, uh, Corona Cigar. Would have been freaking out right now. You know, two two hours, thirty seven minutes. Dude, you yeah. lose all sorts of concept of time when Jessica's not around. <laughs> I, I I do. Like I said, it was like a like we were like two hours in, and I'm looking. I'm like, oh my god, I got a whole nother page. I go, we're gonna. Have I was to looking at your questions too. I was like, good lord, man. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to wrap it. We'd have had another hour without a doubt. A, a whole nother, a whole nother hour. We have forty-five minutes of them describing electrical engineering, and I completely. The only thing I understood was electrical engineering. I my and my Siemens I, because it makes me laugh because I'm a boy. Yeah, <laughs> I had to let it go because, like, my next question would be, okay, let let's let's make this easy. When you woke up this morning, what did you do? Like what? What? Just tell me one, in one thing. sentence. And what? What did you do? Did you send an email? Like what did I'm? I'm, from now, I'm just gonna say he's a lighter engineer. That's all I'm gonna say. From I, here I got on that out. out of it too. It was a great yeah. description, but at some point I was like, I, I, Jimmy, you're, like I said, I, I still don't know what you, he you, does. You for dummy a, it down a little bit, buddy. You're not talking to two other freaking. We're talking to Karen Kev here. You're not. You're talking. You're not talking to two two colleagues here. I mean, it's like 
just say, listen, when there's a machine, I create the computer board. <laughs> oh, you froze up there, Kev. That, 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 that's it. That's it. So, all right, let me share. Let, let me share my screen. Um, uh, let me know when you can. Let me know when you can see it, Care. It's can you up. see it up there? There we go. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you solder wires? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. D boy twenty seven twelve. Let me uh, let me write that. Let me write that down. Uh, Looks like that uh, picture. D boy was smoking a candela. Hey, he was. Look at that. He is smoking a candela. Yeah. Well, yeah nice right. Job, right on. So shoot me an email. Kevin at cigarprop.com, and we will get you out a, a, Drew, a Drew Estate freestyle live um, pack. Uh, next week, we welcome uh, Gurkha Tanya. I'm always seeing her on social medias. You know, you know, we had a uh, uh, Gurkha Juan on uh, a couple months ago. So I want to get like Gurkha Tanya. Like, what, what is, uh, what, you know, I, I don't know her, her, her history with Gurkha, how long she's been with the company. So can't wait to, to finally talk with her. Make sure you're following Cigar Prop, producer Jessica, Caraviahante of Stogie Road Cigars on all the social medias. Links are in the show notes down below, as well as links to uh, uh, the Autism Speaks campaign that Jimmy is running. If you decide to donate, uh, definitely uh, just put your name and then slash like Cigar Prop. Um, now, he didn't say who donated at the beginning. The deal was who donated the most money, how many people donated. So I don't yeah. care that smoke ends at 1500. They only got two people. We need to get cigar prop with like five or six people and we're going to win. So I'm going to, uh, you know, I want to get a cigar prop lighter bleed tool to the top of Mount Fuji. Cause I'm probably never going to go. Um, also in the yeah. social media links um, is uh, 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 all of our, uh, our, our partners that make this show happen each and every week. We, uh, we, we really, really can't do it without them. So thank you to JC Newman cigars, cigar medics, Amandola cigars. We are the muscle Illusione cigars, deep in flavor, deep in your mind. K by Karen burger cigars, drew estate cigars and a Corona cigar. And of course, drew estate and experience acid care. Leave us with a final thought for the night. Uh, support your local cigar shop, you know, and, uh, you know, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, you know, uh, visit multiple cigar shops and kind of create your own list of what you're looking for. And when you settle in, I think those are the cigar shops that uh, will best fit you. Perfect. We'll see everybody next week. See you.